Ghouls. Happy Hump Day and welcome to Ghoul Friends Podcast, brought to you by your best ghoul friends, Lucy and Lindsay. Grab your blankets, snacks and good vibes for tonight's sleepover, where the category is always horrifically spooky. If you want to keep up with us on the socials, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at GhoulFriendPod on Twitter and GhoulFriends underscore podcast on Instagram. You can also listen to us on all podcasting platforms where we release new episodes every Wednesday. And if you want to follow me on my personal socials, you can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Lulu underscore Pew. And I'm at Hi It's Lindsay underscore on all social media. Now let's get spooky. Hello, gorgeous, gorgeous girls, and welcome to another episode of Girlfriends. As always, I'm joined by my best girl, Lucy. How are you doing? I'm good, girl. How are you? Did you enjoy the long weekend? Any fun in the sun? No, I just slept all weekend. <laughs> Relatable. I li- literally, I just, me and the dog just slept all weekend. It was great. <laughs> I did not participate in anything more related. I'm not about that life. Um, but today's very exciting. We have a very special guest, and we have three Scots in the house. Uh, we're joined by TikTok sensation Stephen McKell. How are you doing, Stephen? Hey, girlfriend. <laughs> I also just slept all weekend, and I slept all week, and I live my best life. I support that. Good, good. Love that for you. Yes, I I'm shutting the window again because it got too hot and I opened it and then like the cars were driving past so it's put me off. But yeah, <laughs> I've been doing good. I've just been chilling to be fair, just living my best life, and that's what we all should be doing. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So today our theme is fuck them kids. Uh, this is a theme that me and Lucy wrote down like right at the very start of girlfriends, just hoping someone would pick it up, and it's Stephen was that person what attracted you to this theme i think that first of all those fucking evil children like they're so <laughs> so underrepresented in like horror genre and thrillers and stuff like that and i just thought when i seen it i was like oh that was such a fun thing to talk about because you never children are never revered as like the enemies or the like the evil ones and like the the bad people so i was like it'd be such a fun way to like talk about how that is different to every other kind of horror thing that you see nowadays. So I was like, oh, I was like, let's go for that because that'll be good. And then I was like, now I thought to myself, what am I going to pick for that? So, you know, <laughs> I'll, like, I'll just have to rack my brain and see what I can do. And I came up with something so amazing. It's like the best film of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, spoiler, not true. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy, how buzzing are you that we finally get to use this topic? Uh, considering we both absolutely despise children, I am absolutely here for it because, I mean, kids Uh-oh. are fucking terrifying and I kids in like horror are so creepy. <laughs> I like my nephews, but that's like... That's about it. <laughs> I was going to say, one of them's not actually born yet. They're due very, very soon. But, um, but that's like four people. <laughs> four children and that's about it <laughs> oh I've got like 10 ne- nephews I love them all because you have to um and because oh, I want to talk to my nephews but children in general eh, eh. yeah <laughs> the, the butter has been pressed it is an x for me please leave <laughs> <laughs> that fire exit door yeah I know please just keep going I can't deal with them 
<laughs> so to get into our um <laughs> dislike of children, we are going to be talking about the unborn and children of the corn. Um, so I'm quite I'm quite buzzing for this. Like they're two very different movies. Well, yeah. <laughs> also, it rhymed the unborn and the children of the corn. That is a whole intro there. That was a that was still yeah. They're very two very different movies. Um, you know, with a, a twenty five years apart, I'm sure for each like so, it's very apparent when you watch them. Um, but yeah, one of the best movies of all time. All those both those movies. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm lying to you right now. <laughs> So before we get into those films, um, Stephen, do you want to tell our listeners a wee bit more about yourself and your little corner of the internet? Yes, yes, hello. I'm just a 28-year-old fat gay romantic man from Scotland who um, started posting videos on social media like TikTok um, like six years ago, a few days ago it was, six years ago, it's mad. And yeah, I just do like post on like TikTok, Instagram. I do a lot, a lot, do like, I like to do like a lot of writing, do a lot of comedy stuff. And yeah, I'm just, I'm just here to inspire, but also be inspired by as many people as possible. And that's kind of what I've tried to do throughout my whole time on my little corner of social media and just try and make it a positive, fun um, place for people can come and have a good time. And I will just, if, yeah, I'll just continue to do it as long as I have a good time with it. And yeah, that's just little, little old me. That's that. <laughs> I remember <laughs> during lockdown, there's like so many people who became so successful on TikTok. But I remember you particularly every time you came up with my FYP, like I just knew it was going to be something to make me laugh, make me smile. And it was just like a face I was always happy to see while I was living my lockdown life. Thank you so much. <laughs> that means a lot to me. I think TikTok really saved a lot of people. It saved me as well. I when, when the lockdown happened, which was obviously not great for everyone, it wasn't great for me, it took me back to square one when it comes to work-wise and anything social media-wise. So I really had to rely on TikTok again and, and get back to my roots of what I was, was doing before. And I think that was really fun to kind of reinvent myself and just have a good time. And just, you know, there was a lot of, t- there was a lot of downtime. Everyone had a lot of downtime of just sitting in their house, scrolling. So I think that there's a lot of people that got big on that time and, and like was really big on the platform and yeah I don't hate I don't hate anything like that like I think people like people sometimes cringe oh you're on TikTok I'm like yeah and what like I'm having the best time and and I'm watching people have their best time like that's the funny thing about it as well that you can just see people that have a massive following which is great but then you see people that are just on there for the fun and have like one follower and they don't care and I don't care either they're just fun and they're having a good time and that's what I love about it I love that about lockdown too you got to experience and got to meet so many new people virtually I have to say, like, I'm such a fan of TikTok as well. And you are such a ray of sunshine on there and definitely helped my lockdown life. But especially like queer TikTok, like I, some people take the piss, but I've actually made some really good friends off of TikTok mm-hmm. that I've met that are based in Scotland, fellow Scottish gays. And it's just such a nice community. And we mm-hmm. need that, you know? Absolutely. It's so true. I think that the community is one, is one of the best parts of TikTok. I've always said that. When everyone asks me about being the community, whichever part you belong to, you belong to many. Some of my best friends, that well, my best, best friend that I have now, both of them come from TikTok. That's how I met them the day I met on TikTok. We spoke through that. And, you know, he lives, one of them lives down in Kent, one of them lives in Kirkcaldy. So, like, we're our friends all over the UK and across the world, just purely just because of TikTok. 
I think that's just a testament to how it connects people, and especially like I said, the, the queer community on the app is thriving. It's just getting bigger and bigger, and it's a place where people can feel wanted and they have friends and they actually have people they can relate to and that's massive no matter what what walk of life you're in having people you can relate to is like winner winner chicken dinner as Trixie Mattel would say yes as <laughs> listening knows that reference which I'm sure they are <laughs> but yeah I love a little bit of TikTok so uh, of course this is a horror podcast um what is your relationship with horror um <laughs> Yeah, I hate it. No, I'm joking, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it so much. No, I I love horror movies, my favourite genre. So when you reached out to ask um, if I wanted to do it, or I think it was a, you actually put out a tweet or something like that and I responded because I was like, I would do, like, I'd love to be a part of this. It's so much fun. And I get so excited talking about movies, but particular horror because I think when it comes to horror movies and being scared and the anticipation it's fun but it's fun because I'm in my own home doing it and like I get to watch like I think writing that kind those these kind of movies comes from people that have got a a, a, a strange way of thinking but I can kind of relate in a way I think all of us can kind of relate in a certain way uh, and I think that the the stories that are told are like nine times out of ten not too hard to follow it's very straight to the point and I think that can be sometimes underappreciated about how you can you can write make a movie and people acting in it can really get the job done within that you know 90 minutes and I just I've always loved being scared I've always loved being frightened and like I love the trying to figure out what's going to happen who's the killer who's going to die next I'm always wrong I like I like to like oh I'm so amazing at this I'm going to crack the code no you didn't crack the code and I always used to think when I was younger as well sorry I'm rambling on here I, I would always like if I was to like have my own horror movie who would die first and my friends now I always say because I was the fat one I was supposed to die first or second that's not the case because that's not in my horror movie that doesn't happen I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't be the final girl I'd die like second last third last maybe because I'd get too cocky and I'd get killed so like I've always been like oh, if I was in a horror movie this is what happened so I've always had a deep connection with it even growing up like I remember watching things like Jeepers Creepers which is not really a horror but actually it was a horror to me 22 years ago when it came out um, and absolutely scared the, the life out of me. And things like Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street, like the, the classic horrors were like what I was brought up on. My parents, they didn't care. I was eight years old watching 18 year old movies and what? Like back in the 90s, no one cared. <laughs> so funny you mentioned Jeepers Creepers as well, because I have a trauma story of that. My cousin locked me in her bedroom, put it on, and they lived in the, the woods. Like, oh. our, our send of nowhere in Aberlour, and that just gave, oh, fucking terrified of that film. That is hot. Your, your cousin did that? Yeah. I hope you never speak to them again. Like, oh my God. <laughs> that, I remember watching that, like, in the room with all my brothers and sisters, like, when it just, when it came out on, like, DA video, because remember, you know, we're on videos. And being oh uh, so petrified that my parents allowed this to happen, and I, it scared me ever since. That and like scream as well, like the the ghost face. I used to be I was petrified of him. I mean, to the point that I would cry my eyes out and be like, "He's oh. going to get me!" And obviously now it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, is it one of the best movies? I don't know, but like it's so it's so funny. Freddy Krueger was the same. Like I was traumatized watching that. I remember being behind my couch crying watching that. And my family thinking it was so funny. And I'm like, oh, that's trauma that I have to I had to unpack. <laughs> but yeah, it's so like so I think that a lot of people have that. Like they watch this movie, it scares them to oblivion when they're younger, but they have appreciation for the same movie or same similar movies growing up. 
Um, so yeah, I've always loved horror movies. Favorite genre? If I speak to someone online, like try to chat them up, like, oh, what, what kind of movies do you like? All of like like rom coms. I'm like, bye. Red flag. Red flag. If you say all oh, of like horror and I want to be scared, I'm like, mm, hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can tell a lot about someone what kind of movies that they watch. Oh, imagine having to date someone that was. I mean, the action movies, just action movies. Oh, oh God, no. Oh, really? Like, I, I don't mind Avenger every now and then, but put some substance on. I want to, be, I want to, I want to do something. I want to watch something and like, oh, just want to watch action movies. No. Bye. Declined. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just rambling on now. Sorry, guys. No, you're quite right. I've, like, I've had kind of um, the opposite thing with horror movies. Like, I would watch horror movies when I was younger and never get scared. Like, my friends would be like, what is wrong with you? How do you not find this scary? And I'm just, like, watching it. And now that I think, like, I've passed the court-life crisis and I've kind of got to the, oh, I'm going to die at some point stage. I get really scared now. <laughs> I feel that in my soul. I'm 28 now and I'm like, mm, I'm 30 next year. Mm. <laughs> I'm, horror movies are so relatable now. Um, that's just so true but you like that friend you, you ever been with a friend that's was like you when you're younger who watches movies doesn't get scared but you want them to be scared you want them to feel the same you, and they don't and you're like whatever it just like you don't obviously just, just like like movies but it's not I think it's just like how people react to stuff you know what I mean yeah and some people just don't get scared they enjoy the movies but they just they're like yeah it didn't scare me and I'm like really because I'm crying you know? I, know, I, like, I say this all the time like I love a good jump scare I know there's a part of the horror community that just like think jump scares are a total waste of time I love it I love that little adrenaline rush when you get scared and then I just laugh at myself for getting scared I love Absolutely. it I love a jump scare. Why? What? I, and it's, I, think, I think these people think a bit too much into horror or, or any movies that have jump scares. Like, oh, it's not needed. It's like it does it. It does a movie disservice. No, it doesn't really. I want a jump scare. Scare me. Make me feel like I've paid good money to watch this 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 movie, even though like I watch it online. But you know what I mean? Like, make, like I don't mind getting the jump scares. I had a jump scare watching The Unborn earlier on, and I knew it was coming. I was like, I know it's, it's going to jump out that mirror, and it did. And I was like. <clears throat> In my bed, like watching it with the, sh- the curtains shut. I can't. <sighs> Sorry, rambling. <laughs> right. <laughs> let's get into our spooky sleepover and let's get into movie number one, The Unborn. 2009 edition. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know there was any there was any other ones. <laughs> I know. I was looking it up. I'm like, there's one from 1991. There's like, I had oh, no idea. Oh, of like when. You're telling me I was like, mm, I'm not seeing any of them. <laughs> I should have went for the older one. That would have been better. But the unborn, yeah, my choice. So for the kids, the baby was down. I got here, and the four-year-old contact as soon as I read to him. Okay. Hang on. Some people are doorways. What are you doing, Maddie? You have to go. He wants to be born now. Case, there's something wrong with your eye. What are you talking about? One iris is a different color than the other, which happens occasionally when you're dealing with twins. I'm an only child. Hey, all right? Am I a twin, Dad? He died while the two of you were still in utero. Your mother never told you. But I knew. By living, you denied it entry into our world. 
you think it's possible to be haunted by someone who's never even born? What's happening to me is real. Get out of here! Go! It's not safe to be around me. How do I stop it? And this is the video record of the attempted exorcism of Casey Belden. You sure you want to go through this? So the IMDb plot for The Unborn is a young woman fights the spirit that is slowly taking possession of her. This film, as Stephen said, came out in 2009, stars Odette Annabelle, Gary Oldman and Cam Gigadent and was directed and written by David S. Goyer, who also worked on the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, the same one that Christopher Nolan did and also a ton of other great things I found as well he's also working on The Sandman the highly anticipated Netflix series and he's also working on the new iteration of Hellraiser as well which begs the question how the fuck did he make this piece of shit I don't know I don't know he he said I need to pay the bills I I need to pay the bills I need to get it done but the Dark Knight Rises was around about the same time. So, you know, it's not making sense to me. The math isn't mathing. <laughs> the math is not mathing and it doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> I really Because you, you started talking about Dark Knight Rises and he was in The Sandman and, and Hellraiser and I'm thinking, okay, these are really nice movies. What happened? You know, I don't know. That would be really good to get him on this podcast and just say, let's talk us through it. Did something happen in production? Did you just get half happy through? What's going on? What was your thought process behind <laughs> this film? Uh, it's so it, it's so annoying because I remember watching it when I was like fifteen when it came out, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is like so scary!" Like this is like, oh my god, it's like it's so it's freaking me out. And um, and I watched it today, and I was like, "Oh, I shouldn't have watched. I shouldn't have picked that. <laughs> I, like, I shouldn't have picked this one." But the child in it. It's terrifying, in my opinion. So I was like, that's, I was like, that's, was, wasn't really so much for the acting. But it has like Gary Oldman in it, it has Idris Elba in it and stuff. So I was like, these are some hard hitters. You know, Idris Elba wasn't massive back then, but I was like, it has some people. But yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah, this is the thing about this film as well. It has a ton of big hitters like Gary Oldman, Idris Elba, Carla Gugino, um, Megan Good even. Megan Good often plays supporting characters, has been an actor since she was like four years old. She's the kind of person that you're like, oh, I recognise you from somewhere, which I think is the best kind of actor to be because yeah. it means you work consistently. But mm-hmm. she's amazing. And I'm just like, what the hell were you doing bringing all these amazing people into this film? And especially Carla Cugino, who plays Casey's mum, Wasted. Oh. 
wasted. What 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 happened? What, what in the uh, different universe of Spy Kids was this? That she was like, I'm going to do this movie, and then I don't know what happened. Like, was was you know, what, was Carmen the daughter in this? I don't know what happened. This was a different universe, and this all happened. Um, Antonio Banderas was like, sorry, I'm not getting involved. I don't know. It was just there's so I didn't even thought about that as well. I'm like, yeah, because I watched it today. I'm like, why is she? In, why is she only in this these scenes? Like, she's the she's like iconic. It's I don't so even funny. think she has any unpack- lines. Now we're unpacking these movies, this movie, I'm getting like, I feel so bad that I made you guys watch this. <laughs> no, so don't. These are mean, honestly the most fun to talk about. <laughs> they made me watch Children of the Corn, and we're going to talk about that later. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but um, yeah, there's like, when you look at it, and you look at the, who's, who's acting in it and stuff, I think it's all fair like, to say, oh, why would you do that? But I think that if they read the script and maybe thought, oh, this speaks to me in some way, like, obviously that's probably why they've done it. And you don't know, like, what could have changed in the from the script they got to how it was being produced and filmed. But it just seemed, it seemed a little bit disconnected of, like, who was all in it. And I was like, oh, okay. And, like, the acting wasn't that bad. Oh, God, I'm really trying to save this now, haven't I? Yeah, I mean, it was just it was something else. It was, yeah, and that was shit. I couldn't yeah, believe I, it. Oh, oh no, sorry. No, I like you're saying, I couldn't believe the cast of this. I feel like the unborn is the epitome of the phrase, you can't polish a turd. (laughs) (laughs) No matter how many good people you have on it, it's still a shit film. But like Gary Oldman, like, come on, who's hardly in this as well. Like some of the hard hitters, you're like, why? Like, are you busy mates with David Goyer? Like, what is it? What's going on? And you know what? It was the money. They were like, let's go you got a good paycheck and I would like me to send me the script I've, what I've got four lines great the mum had none I bet she got a, bit, I bet she got a fat paycheck though just sitting in there screaming with a different coloured eye <laughs> guys you need to watch this movie because all the what we're saying is absolutely horrible and I have to give the stamp there it is now that I've watched it again today and I was like oh oh I just really am shocked that I chose that and and so until today was like they're going to love this. Gonna, uh, I, <laughs> God, I was like, they're going to think this is such a great movie. It's such a great... And like, I watched it back and I was like, oh my gosh, I've ruined, I ruined my day watching this. And I've ruined it. <laughs> it was so bad. I remember the last time I watched it was years ago and I was still like, oh, this is such a good movie. Love this. No. Declined. Okay, <laughs> moving on to the next film. <laughs> That's it, bye. Oh my gosh, there's so much to unpack. We could not do that. Right, uh, let's get into this plot. So the film opens with Casey having a nightmare, a hallucination, I can't quite remember. There's a dog wearing a mask. There's a child... There's a child with bright blue eyes and she's kind of led to this fetus in a jar in the woods. I'm so sorry, I mean, just watched this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, oh, it's so bad. I actually feel so bad. Sorry, let me tell you, yeah. Fetus in the jar in the woods, yeah. We love to see it. <laughs> like, what do we think of this, like, opening scene? It's, um, it's certainly, like, very intriguing. I don't understand the symbolism of the dog, but it's certainly something that makes you want to know what's going on, I think, anyway. Yeah, so I think that, for me... What's good? What is good about it is it it, it, bring, it brings you right at the start, so you know this little fucker, this child child that this dead bright blue eyes demon, you know they're going to play a part of it in some way. I think, and you know like 
you know this, you know what I mean? So right away you're like, oh, okay, you, you're not having to wait 20, 30 minutes to get in to see the baddie, if that makes sense. You know, in those horror movies or you, you watch and you go, oh, there he is, the bad guy. Like, no, right at the start, you find that you know exactly what it looks like and it kind of gives you a little bit of, you are intrigued. You are kind of like, oh, when I watched it, I was like, well, that child is ugly. Uh, but also, if I woke up and that child was just staring at me through a mirror, I'd like run out and cry. So I was kind of really intrigued. And like, and then the upside down dog only made sense like halfway through the movie when they're like, oh, it possesses dogs. And it might kill. But like, why at the start? I don't know. I've got dogs. I've got pit bulls. It just didn't look good on it. <laughs> For context, the pit bull at the start with an upside down head. It's just strange. And then she gets the jar and she like, and like the fetus in the jar opens its eyes. It's got those piercing blue eyes of like the devil she's seen. And then it just skips to her telling her friend. And it's like, there's no, no her waking up from the dream, you know, like that typical thing you'd want, but it's just strange. But I, I did like the opening. It wasn't that bad. Oh, I'm trying to save it hard. I'm trying to save it hard here. <laughs> what do you think, Lucy? Um, well, I'm kind of saying like, I do love a slow burn for a horror film. I like the artsy, like two and a half hour long films, <laughs> but it's also nice to have something where you jump straight into it. The one thing that I could not get out of my head watching this, I don't know if either of you watched The Middle, you know, that TV show. That kid plays Brick in that yeah. show, and I could not get over that. He's also, um, like, the best friend in Frankenweenie. Or I don't know if it's the best friend, you know, the one with the really, like, humpback. Like, oh, is it Igor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he plays that as well. Atticus Schaefer's become quite the voice actor in recent years. Um, because he's not very stereotypically handsome. He's only like four foot seven or something, like not your typical movie star. <clears throat> a short king. A short king, yes, indeed. Also, now that you've, you've made that connection to the middle and who played in that, um, has ruined this movie for me. Oh, sorry. It <laughs> <laughs> wasn't already. Because <laughs> now I'm like, well, he's not skinny anymore. Because now I know what he's like. <laughs> but no, that's actually, I never, I never thought of that. That's kind of, that's a good one, actually. Yeah. You're like a slow burner, though. You're like a slow, you're like a slow burner horror. Yeah, I, I love like Ari Aster. I like complicated long films that you have to watch a hundred times to understand. Like, this is like the only person who wants a film to be longer so that <laughs> <laughs> describes everything in the most intricate detail. They're just like, I just want to know. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I have to be in the mood for a movie like that. And that's yeah. <laughs> But like, when you, I think it's a good movie and you're into it. I think you really enjoy that slow burn because you, although it's a slow burn, it's giving you all, it's giving you so much information throughout that whole time. You've got to then piece a piece together by the time it comes to the end. And I'm like to think I'm amazing at it. My mum's really good at that. She likes she can like you know psychological stuff. She can really think it. I'm not. I'm like I know what's happened. I know who the killer is. I know what's going on. No, I was wrong the whole time. <laughs> like completely wrong. So uh, I, I probably don't like them as much because I always get it wrong. But then you're <laughs> always surprised at the end, and you're like, oh. True. That is so true. And I'm always like, oh, they've got me. Like the writing and the and the acting was so good, it confused me. <laughs> Which is not this movie, by the way. <laughs> so, like Stephen said, we don't really get like a waking up scene from this um like nightmare hallucination, daydream, whatever it was. Um, <clears throat> it just cuts to Casey explaining this over the phone to her friend Romy. She's then uh, disrupted. It turns out Massey, um, the person she's babysitting, is holding a mirror up to his infant sister and just repeating the phrase, Jumbie wants to be born now, which is 
very creepy and then he says it to Casey and then it just smacks her on the face with this he he swings he does he's going for it this little hand size mirror he's like bit on the face and she got the tiniest cut on on her oh a little cut girl that would take your eye out yeah I know like that's I think this maybe as well with with this children is that you think that that the, the, the little demon you see at the start or personal, whatever is at the start. Oh, that's it. But then this little boy is also like in on it, and he's like, you know, and, he, and then he's he's like looking at his little sister, like keep looking, like in the mirror, because obviously it's supposed to be bad luck. But yeah, she's and she just kind of looks at him after. I'm not gonna lie, if I was babysitting a child and they snapped me in the face with a mirror, I I'd be like, right, you're getting left by. I'm going home. Like, see you later. Like, I'm no one smacking <laughs> me in the face with a mirror and being that creepy. No, I wouldn't even up to him. I would have chucked a shoot him and be like, right, turn around right now. Don't like, because that's just creepy. <laughs> Absolutely not. I would, that... I would, I literally would be like, for context, I'm, I'm, I've got a shoe on screen here. And I'd be like, and I'd chuck it up. <laughs> and be like, excuse me. And if he didn't move, I'd just shut the door and lock it. I'm being serious. <laughs> the American people in these movies, and everyone will tell you this, it's always, let's invest. No. <laughs> do what someone else do. Chuck a shoe at him. If he doesn't move, shut the door. He'll be fine. <laughs> he'll live. Sorry, I was. Yeah, he'll live. You didn't live. You got smacked in the face by a glass. But that's the thing, though. Like kids and animals, like can definitely see paranormal shit. Like they're on that different wavelength because oh, yeah. kids have not like had that adult socialization yet, where you have to, you know, pretend these things don't exist. Yeah. Um, like they see that shit so it's like extra creepy because he's totally possessed in that moment like trying to get his sister to like look at the fucking spirit realm through this mirror portal and it's just creepy as fuck and she's just like nanny are you no (laughs) i just can't do that's the because i'd know i'd sense it and children are very susceptible to that and animals Mm. so if they're doing something that's creepy i'm gonna be on the lookout and obviously i believe in the paranormal stuff i've had lots of happen to me but i've been like no i'd be like bye i would i know for a fact i would do if that was my nephew doing that i would chuck a shoe maybe a small (laughs) shoe i wouldn't want to hurt them of course because no one do that but if they didn't i would then shut the door and i'd call my sister like by the way um, such and such is locked in the room and they're fine, they've got food, I gave them a sandwich but they've got a mirror and they're trying to snack stab me with it, so bye, and I just leave and I know I would do that and that's not a lie I, it's think for number one self-care, it. you know Self-care. Yeah. you got it, you know exactly it this is why I belong on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the self-care but yeah, she's just so it's so, it's so annoying, she's like woke up slowly are you okay? No He's got a mirror, like making his little sister looking at his, his baby, looking at this mirror, and repeating Jumbie wants to be born and looking to the mirror. No. Oh, what the fuck is that name? Jumbie as Jumbie. well. I'm sorry. That's why, he, that's why he wants to come back and haunt your ass because you called him Jumbie. Yes. Uh, oh, um, plot spoiler. <laughs> oh, sorry. Anyways, yeah, sorry. As you were saying, so dialed up. <laughs> So Romy, who's a total honorary girlfriend because she is like your ooky spooky superstitious friend, she says that babies should not look into mirrors because um, for a, at least a year because they will die. They should not look at their reflections because they will die soon. And yeah. we'll see later on that there's paramedics and stuff outside that house and 
that wee baby does indeed die. So she's totally onto something there. I do have a thing about mirrors. Like, see, when we were in London, Lucy, the other week, and the mirror was facing the bed, and I'm like, the mirrors are like portals to the spirit realm. Like, you should not sleep in front of a mirror, or someone's going to come out and grab you by the ankles. And I really don't like it. (laughs) I let's be let's be best school friends forever. I, I think actually watching this film gave me that whole that whole panoramic about, about mirrors, right? So I don't have any mirrors in my house that are on walls, right? I don't have mirrors anywhere. I can't sleep in a hotel room that's got mirrors, so I take them down. I'm not joking. I've been in hotel rooms where there's been mirrors, apart from the bathroom, that's fine. You know, I'm like, okay. But if there's genuinely a mirror that's on the wall that I cannot get down, I will have asked to change rooms. That's not a joke. I had to lie and like to make up a reason why I had to change the room. Um... But it's because the mirror was on the wall. I cannot deal with having any mirrors up anywhere. They are definitely the devil's portal, and I can't cope with that. Oh, said that I was like, I'm so glad someone else has said that because I genuinely, I mean, I'm a bit OTT, like I have no mirrors on <laughs> up in my house. But I, I, like, I'm staying at my sister's house, and there's a mirror on a, a wardrobe. I put a sheet over it. I'm like, no, nothing's getting me tonight. Nothing's getting me tonight. <laughs> I'm waking up and seeing some red eyes through the mirror. Nope, sorry. Mm-mm. <laughs> no. you when we're in uh, Manchester, Lindsay, we'll make sure we'll get a hotel room. No mirrors. Okay. Because I was like, one of those mirrors as well, that was basically like embedded in the wall. It's like, I can't even cover this with anything. I'm just going to have to deal with it. And the whole night, I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be looking at it with a glance in my eyes, I'm like, oh God, I put my friend closer to it just in case someone tried to come in and grab me. Because, thank self care. Thank you for number one. <laughs> um, so. So Romy notices that Casey's eye is starting to change colour and this is like this is down point number one of the film I feel like you can really notice the contact lens of it changing colour you can see the shadow of it which is such a shame because it could have been such a cool effect yeah but um she goes to the doctor to try and find out what is going on and she has tetragametic chimerism and heterochromia oh, well done that um and casey learns that she could have possibly been a twin in the womb so she confronts her dad about this and he says that when her and her twin were in the womb one of the twins got an umbilical cord around their neck and died um so this is like a bit of a gaff as well because we learned that Casey's twin was a boy so obviously they're not identical twins sharing an amniotic sac they would have been in separate ones so it's actually impossible that Casey's umbilical cord would have killed her brother Mm -hmm. that's a good one I thought that yeah. Learn something new every day. I didn't know that's that. It. Film is an F. You're done. <laughs> that's so true, though. Like that's, but that's a big mistake to yeah. make on a film like that's, this. Personally, that's a that's a big mistake to be like. And yeah, Gary Oldman is in this film. I can't. Oh my god. Sorry. I know. <laughs> oh, he probably regrets this so much. I'd love to go. But after tonight, I'd love to go and research what his comments were about this movie. Um, <laughs> I know we need to look up the press tour and I hope, what I hope all he said. You didn't pay me enough of the piss to that. <laughs> for sure. Oh, sorry. I keep interrupting and I'm so sorry, but it's just now you now you're really making this movie bad by pointing out something so, so major. Oh god. 
so like while having this conversation with our dad he also reveals that the nickname that him and, and her mother had for the twin that wasn't born was Jumbie, Jumbie and things start to kind of fall into place for Casey what did we think of this reveal it w- oh, come on it's like typical not great however it was like I remember when I first watched it fucking day because it's your first time probably your guys first time watching it so, but I remember when I first watched it and was like oh the gag oh my gosh like that is so, and you kind of you, you I think it quickly connects what's going on personally so you can kind of understand really quickly oh okay like Jimmy wants to be born now it's his, it's her dead maybe it's her dead baby brother obviously which is a weird concept but that's what you think like oh that something's going on there like he wants to get revenge I don't know but I was like it was like it was a kind of like oh okay that makes sense now they're trying to piece this whole story together pretty quickly in my opinion when for that reveal twins as well are quite well-worn territory in horror like I kept meaning actually all this week to ask my friend who is a twin like what they think about this because I've got twin brothers I should ask them too (laughs) (laughs) like I wonder how they feel about this because it obviously it's like a callback to when like back in the day when people would have thought that twins were like a curse or something like oh there's something wrong with you two babies came out instead of one um and we still kind of carry this on obviously we've got like the twins in the shining and stuff like that as well so I thought it was interesting that they went down this route what do you think Lucy? Yeah, it's always people have that like fascination. Don't they? I'm trying to think mm. if I know anyone that's a twin. My best friend Ashes, but again, her she has a brother, so they're not identical. But I remember when I was at school, there was uh, two sisters. They were identical twins, and the amount of questions people would ask them all the time, and like stupid shit being a kid they're like oh do you think the same are you telepathic are you all this kind of stuff they would play into it a bit though as well being and they were like yes we read each other's minds and all this stuff but um yeah I like the gag in this like I knew it was coming yeah but it was still like oh yeah like I I kind of like a cheesy gag so it, it was yeah. nice to see it, the plot kind of connecting you're like oh yeah clock from yeah, they, don't really, they don't really quickly as well I was like well yeah. okay I was like I get it now I get what's going on to a certain extent, so I was like, "Good, give me the give me the crumbs." I, I'm at that point, they're dropping the nuggets, and I'm eating them. I'm like, mm, "Let's go!" Like, <laughs> I'm okay at that point until it gets later on. <laughs> it's not a bad movie, I promise. Go watch it. <laughs> so, um, Casey decides to take a look through her mother's things. I think she starts to feel a bit of guilt around her um, mother who passed away as a result of mental health problems she had been institutionalized um so she goes to her mother's things to see if she can find out anything about her pregnancy and finds a lot of um articles with the name sophie cosman underlined so she decides to seek this woman out um finds her in a care facility shows her a picture of is it her mum with like i think it's her mum pregnant with casey yeah. yeah, and there's the like little boy that you like, see at the very start of the film. Yeah, in the mirror, and Sophie freaks. She, she does. She's not happy to see this whatsoever, and asks Casey and Romy to leave immediately. Um, visceral reaction. She was like, "It was yeah, it's a gag." I was like, "Okay, that's a bit dramatic, but I live." Shook like, to her core. Yeah, she was shook after her court. That is such a good one. And she genuinely was, because obviously, like, 
they would try to find out if Casey was related. Casey's mum was related to this old woman. She's like, no, I don't know who she is. And then she's like, do you know this little boy in the corner? Who she would have seen when she first looked at the photograph, but it was a very visceral reaction. It was very, very, very shookish. I didn't, I did enjoy that part. I was like, okay. So we later learn that Sophie is actually Casey's grandmother. <gasps> the gag. <laughs> and then um, she starts to explain that she was also a twin and that her brother Barto died during experiments at the hands of Joseph Mengel in Auschwitz. And it was at this point I was like, the Jewish people have been through enough. Yeah. We, d- we why, didn't why need to drag them into this. No. And why do this? Like, I did that whole, this, and then, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I was like, there's so many other ways to go down this route, I think, that could have been a lot better and actually added to the story, I personally think. But then she, and then she goes through this whole, this whole, you get a flashback of like the whole time when she was in Auschwitz and stuff, which I think that is good to maybe like, let people know that that kind of stuff happened but it was kind of like Barto and she's got a really great accent which is great and she's like it wasn't my brother Barto and it's like it's so iconic but it's more funny for me than it's scary um but yeah I think that was kind of like oh okay like the stories this is the story we're getting now okay I'm, I'm ending the movie now I've got to watch it till the end but I don't know how, how it's gonna go when it starts going down this route what are you thinking Lucy? This is just when it becomes so unhinged and it tries to turn into like three or four different movies like there's this bit and I'm jumping ahead but then there's the like fucking exorcism at the end where she's got what looks like a ball gag in her mouth and I'm just like <laughs> sorry <"What?" laughs> it I still agree um but you're the Jewish community have been through enough why why why, why did this turn into that it, it didn't it didn't need it that's the oh. thing like it actually didn't need it and like also, I would want to see a movie about Barto and her getting going in, like, oh, like that kind of movie if it was done right. Like, I'd like to see like that, or just a movie about that. Like, that would be if it was done like, yeah. correctly, like that in itself is like is quite intriguing. But to use that, like, what's happening, it was like just part. I was like, no, it doesn't make sense. Make a whole movie about that. I'd watch that. I want to know how Barto, how how happened, how did she murder her brother? Oh, plot spoiler again. <laughs> um, I'm really bad at this, but yeah, I definitely think I was kind of like, oh. I wasn't happy about it. I was like, this makes no sense to me. And like you said, that's when it becomes, un- that becomes unhinged. And that's when you know, okay, we're in for a, a rough ride for the next hour. <laughs> yeah, I think I agree with you, Stephen. Like, maybe a film about these two twins and their fight against, like, the Dybbuk would have been really interesting. But to just kind of shoehorn the Holocaust in it, this film, it just feels very inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Sophie explains that um, her and her brother were being uh, tested on. They had a fascination particularly with like changing the colours of people's eyes, like hence why Casey's eyes are now changing colour. Uh, but when the Dybbuk like, possessed her brother, she killed her brother to try and stop this spirit. But instead of stopping the spirit, it now just haunts her family. So it took over the male twin of her uh, mum and it did the same with Casey as well. And Casey's mum was so just distraught about all of this that she ended up killing herself as a result of losing her one of her children to this Dybbuk. Um, so that kind of side of things is like really 
quite sad and the kind of um like familial like oh what's the word I'm looking for like vendetta this familiar vendetta this thing has against the family is a really interesting angle but again I just wish they hadn't brought Auschwitz and the Holocaust into it because yeah, it's just I think it's- not I think if it was in a, different, a different way, I think the movie would serve a better purpose. I think it actually be a bit more easier to watch and be like, well, it makes it doesn't make sense that way. It really doesn't. But I like the idea. I like. I mean, the idea is very like hapless cliche. It, like it happens quite a lot. Like oh, it's following the family around, blah blah. Um, but like, yeah, they could have done it such a, a different way. It's just a shame. So um, Sophie gives Casey this Hamza amulet for protection and uh, instructs her to destroy all the mirrors in her house and burn the shards and bury the ashes of the mirrors, which I thought was very cool, and uh, refers her to Rabbi Joseph Sendak, uh, Gary Oldman, finally hey. making an appearance in this film. And um, you're Do you like Gary Oldman? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God. And this, and this isn't the start of his career. This is 2009. This is Harry Potter time. This is like, what the hell? Like, hello. What's going on? And um, Sophie says that he will be able to perform a Jewish exorcism, which will remove the Dybbuk from her soul. Um, he's like, I, I don't believe you. You're making this up, which you would. You would say, like, what a lot of shite. I don't yeah. believe you. Um, but then he sees a dog in the synagogue with his head upside down. Like, this is a callback to the start of the film. Mm. Um, what, do, what do we think of this scene meeting Gary I... Oldman for the first time? Yeah, like, Lindsay, you go first. No, I, no I, I, I was really quite shocked by this. I was just like, oh, Gary Oldman. Um, that I'd, and again, it just becomes quite unhinged. And like, I feel bad. I'm I notoriously hate demonic possession movies. Like, I walked out of Sinister. That's the only time I've walked out of cinema. Like, and like Exorcist kind of films. But I do kind of like the thought of something chasing the family. And like, how many times in horror do we have films? They're kind of like this, or even worse, that get sequels, prequels, all this kind of stuff. So I'm like, ugh, like, I feel like. This is almost kind of shoehorned in as well. Again, like I feel like the film's trying to be multiple different things and it's only an hour and a half long and it feels like it's the pacing's like quite off. Um, and yet it just gets more unhinged later on. And I can't get over the upside down dog. That 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 freaks me out. That's the freakiest part of this to me. Well, that and then the, you know, earlier near the start where the kids ripping her stomach open in the dream. Oh, that was awful. Oh, so yeah, the the stomach ripping, I can't. Mm-mm. That and I thrown in there for like what reason? Well, but then I suppose you kind of know the reason at the end. Um, but we're seeing Gary Oldman, and obviously he's researching. Like obviously he's been given this book that this case is still for the library, and like give, I'm like, what he would have this book surely. Anyway, he's going through it all, and he sees like so the connection. What I like is he sees this upside down face dog in his research. So he's seeing it like what's going on and what it can turn into, and obviously it's a, a, like a, a throw to like when you're in this possession movies and it's like it's done so many times like it's it's been done so many different times there's like they still try and find different ways to make it happen and make it new and fresh but it's like obviously it possesses like small creatures first and then like animals and it's so he's researching it and then obviously the lights all go out and he sees it in like his church and he's like 
go okay but i'm like it's gary oldman why like I, I, i'm still in my mind like why is he here how could he fall into this <laughs> how did he how did he go to set every day and go i'm gonna this, this is i'm doing a good job like <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. He, i don't know what was going on and like and, and like he tells it to leave and things like that. And I think with the movie, like I said, there's so much going on now. It's so many different movies in one. And I'm like, I'd love to see a movie about Gary Oldman being a priest and try to fight things. I'm like, give me that right. one. This one. Give me the movie about Bartle and Hingy. Give me anything else apart from Casey and what she's going through because I know what the end's going to be. That's what I'm saying. Like, this movie could have been could have been good. And I think that if it had been a bit, one longer, I never talk about these, I don't like it being like stretched out if this has been a lot more thought into it and stretched out it probably would have been a lot better and like a bit more like information into it but i've seen gary Oldman was kind of like there you go and this dog comes out of nowhere again and it's like okay love the dog upside down head and he's telling it to leave and i'm like powerful moment not i don't know strange weird. Also, i don't know if you two clock this um casey's boyfriend mark the whole time i was looking watching this film i was like i recognize you where are you from he plays james in twilight <laughs> <laughs> I know I was the same. Berlin as well and I'm like oh, it's still the same it's not, <laughs> not the same <laughs> so um, I think now that the Dibbit kind of knows that um, Sendak is on to him and they, he might be getting evicted from um, Casey's soul sometime soon um, <laughs> it kills <laughs> that's so fucking good <laughs> it's like oh I know what's going on <laughs> So the Dibbit goes and kills Grandma Sophie at the <laughs> I fucking love this podcast so fucking much. <laughs> I love sorry, I love how you spent oh my god and then the Dibbit goes and kills Grandma <laughs> Oh my god I'm so sorry I know I'm screaming on the podcast with anybody. Oh no we love it How nice it is to have somebody on the podcast that can match Lindsay's laugh as well. <laughs> I can't. I like scream and holler. My windows open. People think, "What's happening to him in number one?" Because that was so funny. Oh, the devil! <laughs> I can't. I'm so done. This is so good. You're making this movie sound so fucking good, but also, oh, so funny. Like, continue. My bad. <laughs> So the Jibbit goes to kill Grandma Sophie. Um, it kind of like possesses uh, this man in a wheelchair and kind of uses him to, to like lure her out. And um, oh god, I can't even remember what happens to her. That was like that was kind of fun because like in a way it was kind of like weird because the man's like mute. He's had a stroke, mm-hmm. he can't move, and he's like um, like disabled. And the, this Jibbit <sighs> like turns him upside. He's walking on his arms and legs, but backwards. And he he running after her like twisted. It was all weird. That for me was the funniest part, which falls on the stairs. And it's like, <laughs> it, 
thought it's really funny actually but scary at the same time i can't believe i forgot that like that for me is like one of the best parts of the film when he's like climbing out of his chair and then he like goes into a bridge and then his head turns upside down so freaky and then it's just like running running and the devil's getting getting some energy like you know he's getting some fear that was like that was scary to me yeah that was some exorcism realness. That was it. Yeah, I was. I'm gonna twist this body around. I'm gonna show him what's going on, and like she obviously, she like falls down the stairs, and like, listen, like I said, watch the movie, guys, you'll love it. But when she falls, when she's getting chased, she falls in the stairs, and she takes so long to get up. I'm like, girl, get your ass up. I can't stand. Sorry, like I can't stand when they sit and watch where the thing's coming from. Is it going to come out the door? Yes, it is. It's coming after you. Don't stand and wait for it to get to the door. You should be. You could have a good thirty seconds, but she's like lying on the floor, like, oh, I know she's old. I get that. She should have been up and running, but instead she's like lying at the bottom of these stairs looking at this door, waiting for this thing to come and get it. And I was like, nope, you old women, you deserve to go, to go because you've waited too long. Get your ass up and work. I feel like nobody <laughs> wants to work. <laughs> like she should have ran. Why she running in a cupboard? There's no way out of there. Sorry. So Grandma Sophie bites the dust thanks to the Dubuque. Um a woman who works at the care facility gives Casey a letter and it's basically Sophie saying that she knew that she was going to die and it's up to Casey now to like take care of the Dybbuk. Um, her mum tried to stop it at the same time like I think you find out like maybe her mum was like, part of her death is maybe part of that like mm. the was because the mum tried to stop it too and you're like oh okay that's why she was in the institution kind of way but sorry I was like, that part for me, I was like, okay, I get it. They try to like the story up to this later because they couldn't do it in the movie time because it's only 90 minutes. Uh, exactly. So after the debate's gone after Sophie, it takes a turn on Romy. Uh, we've not discussed this yet, but Romy is saying to Mai, like when she, does she hit him with the car or almost? Please. Yes, please do. And and so, so Mai gets hit by the car, right? She's like looking at me, he runs, his little tricycle, she hits him with the car, he goes over the car. In real life, he's deceased, he's done. And he says, if you try to help her, he'll kill you. And this, this woman, this amazing, she turns around and goes, fuck off, you little shit, I swear to God. That is the best, it is for me, the best moment in the whole, I remember watching it and being like, yes! But what she should have done is drove home and not helped Casey. But, you know, <laughs> when she's like, when she thinks she's killed him, he goes, don't, don't, you better not help her or else he'll get you. And she, she, fuck off, you little shit. I swear to God, sends me off the edge. It's the best moment in the whole entire movie. It is. And that said a lot. Look at the open in this. So, and, oh, sorry. She so says weird. that with her full chest. Like, she means every single syllable of that. Everything. And she hates them. She's like, you know what? I hate children. I hate you. Like, she, was, she means it. She's thinking, I hope that car did hit you. And I hope you were not alive right there. But, you know, it's so good. I mean, you know. A hands- woman after my own heart, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so true. Oh, I never thought a movie like this would bring us all together, but it has. Such oh a bonding God. experience. I know. <laughs> so a possessed Matty and Romy like end up in the house and he's like attacking her, but then it like leaves his body and goes into hers. So I think is it Mark that's like forced to kill her? can't remember well so so, so like she's on like she's on like video call to Romy and then she notices so like Casey notices oh my gosh it's now going to attack Romy now because it's mm. it, it's it promised it said if you help her I'll fucking kill you and guess what if I'm killing you Matty like Matty like Matty's like 
like that boy from it and the raincoat only it's blue and she opens the door and he's like Stat-. she opens the door and she's a few seconds she just looks at this boy with a hood up and the torrential rain and he's like leans in and stabs her he's got a full man reach by the way sorry i'm going into this i shouldn't he, like she's so at that point casey's phone and mark like get into romy's house because something's happening too too little too late the boy stabbed her and i think he kills her he's stabbing her as possessed as a dibuk and mark wants to kill the boy and she's like no it's possessed now it's possessed romy yeah i think that was like the final moment because she wasn't fully dead then obviously she's been stabbed a few times i think that was like the final it possessed like, little creatures and like animals and like the little boy and then now it's possessed a full adult i think that for me was kind of like a maybe i thought too much into it but i was like oh it's now it's made its full journey it can possess adult like adult humans now i think that was kind of like its last straw like the last thing i had to do was possess a little boy to murder the the best friend classic but um yeah sorry she gets possessed what do you think lucy love the character arc I like that's almost like leveling up like they go from the kids to the adults and stuff like that so again just so unhinged and but the kid's an absolute savage as well the kid's so fucking creepy like even though I can't I always think of him as brick in the middle it's still so creepy um but no I I do like the like even though you can tell I'm not the biggest fan of this film I do like the gore elements in this like they're actually quite good and I mean they spent a pretty penny on this when we get to it. Like the budget for this was high, high. So you can kind of see where they spent it. I not just in the cast, but like some of the some of the special effects and stuff are actually pretty good. I do have to give it that. Yeah, I would agree. The special effects in terms of like as well how they use it and the gore, but like how they morph people's faces and like how they actually <laughs> use the effects is pretty. It's pretty good. You can tell like that's where the budget. That and um, Gary Oldman. Yeah. <laughs> So now that they realise that this Dibbuk is just getting stronger and stronger, Sendak decides to enlist the help of an Episcopal priest called Arthur Windham, uh, played by Idris Elba. He doesn't make an appearance until 65 minutes into this film. Criminal. Absolutely criminal. If he'd been from the start, I would give this an A+. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Not even he could have saved it. If Gary Oldman can't save it, mm. Mm. so um yeah they enlist um arthur to help it with the exorcism so that brings in this interesting other kind of well-trodden horror trope of bringing in multiple faiths to try and deal with um a demon um what do you can what do you think of that yeah it's like it's 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 very like it doesn't make sense to me like, it doesn't make sense. Like, I feel like faith is, is obviously very strongly used like, when it comes to this exorcism stuff. It's very much like, has to be this, but he's, you know, reading from a, the Jewish, like, this book that he's got, but the guy's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's all very strange to me. It doesn't make sense. Like, for me, it, it, it confuses me a little bit. And I'm like, okay. And if it's not going to be explained so much, then why is it needed? Like, for me, you know what I mean? If it's not going to be explained, like, this is exactly why it has to happen. Maybe it did. I just didn't get it in the movie. I was too busy watching the Drusilba and how cute he is. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, it, did, it didn't make sense. So, like, I, I thought bringing that in was just pointless because it didn't explain why it had to be done. Whereas every other movie you see, it's always, like, kind of, you have a set kind of faith that they're, they're following to get rid of whatever this is. So, yeah, it doesn't, ser- it doesn't serve the movie, the plotline for me. Yeah, because Sendak reads the kind of like exorcism scribe or whatever it is in Hebrew, I think. Um, and then 
wind up is just repeating it in English. And it's like, is that is that just for us? Because it's not for the Dibbuck. He knows. He'll know like, he's like, mm, it doesn't matter what, how you say it, but still the same words. Like I don't that's what that it's purely only for us so we know what's been said. And it's like just stick with one. I, I don't need to know what's been said. And most of these movies, when they're doing these exorcisms, I don't know what's been said. I know that it's something to God or the God they're, they're talking about and it's getting rid of the demon. It, just, it, it was genuinely just for us. It's, that's what it was. It was just to give yourself a more lines. And in the trivia, because I couldn't find that much trivia for this film, but I saw one bit where it's like, he was reading it backwards. He wasn't reading it the right way that you should in, in Hebrew on the scribe. And I'm like, oh, come on. That's like a, like, do your research yeah that's so this is as bad as the the twin thing at the start when they couldn't have shared any blood because they were two different sex okay sorry yeah this is so bad i'm so sorry (laughs) we're not even at the end (laughs) we're getting there (laughs) so casey suggests that they go to the institution that her mother was in to try and like perform the exorcism because she thinks that this is a place where the dibbuck feels comfortable um obviously it would have been there with her mother for quite some time i like that sorry yeah. i don't I, I don't mean to jump right in but i like i, I do like that i'm kind of like that's taking it to its own turf which is probably a very smart thing to do but i wouldn't do it <laughs> And no, none of us would do it because the British people don't do that shit. <laughs> but that's very much American, and and not shade to them. But like they're very much like they're very they're like interesting people, and they want to know what's going on. But also like I'd be like, no, I want to do it in my house. Like <laughs> I can draw it out here. It's attached to me. It's going to come. But she wants to go. I liked that she was kind of brave, and she thought that was it. Probably was the best thing. But I'm like, wouldn't be me. That was like, that was a good way. I, I think it sets the scene as well because doing it in her house wouldn't be that scary. So I think it's kind of try to try to serve the plot in a way. Like let's do it in a creepy old churchy place, like institution. They're like, okay, it looks like a church, not an institution as well. So it's mm. so they crack out this gurney. Uh, Windham explains that sometimes in the throes of the exorcism the person who is possessed um, can move around a lot. So it's kind of like for everyone's safety. And then as Lucy pointed out before, they crack out this ball gag thing. When I seen that, I was like, oh, hello. Like, what's going on I'm t- We're talking ball gag. It is obvious. That's a big one too. And I was like, what the fuck? It's, just, it's, it's, it's in her mouth for quite a bit of time when she's screaming like that. It's, it's funny, but also like, just does, it actually throws me off. I was watching it earlier on going like, why is this ball gag in her mouth? Can someone take it out? But it's not the kind of movie I want to be watching right now. What's <laughs> the gaggery of it all, truly. <laughs> oh my God, I love this. So the Dybbuk has a bit of a merry old time just like possessing all of these uh, people um, over the course of the exorcism. I think it's worth pointing out as well that like, this is this like the last 15 minutes of the film. So you feel like it like... I felt like this scene maybe would have been a bit longer. A lot happens in a really short space of time, which I think is to the film's detriment as well, because it's very hard to keep track of like where the Dybbuk is, who's getting killed when, I felt like as well. It was just very like bang, 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 like. I, to- oh, I, go. Uh, I totally agree. I feel like these, um, they should have taken some time away from the storyline of maybe, um, random stuff and put somewhere in the end because I'm like although it's not the great the best ending or whatever I think it's probably the most scariest and and the way I think the way this boy looks and how he acts and he's not even acting he's just standing there I do think it's kind of scary but if I, if I, if I woke up and I had a nightmare about that fuck it, I'd be, oh my gosh so it actually it's it's quite good in the sense of how he looks he looks scary and he kind of like 
I think they should on way they could on way more with that. Like it's all packed in to like fifty minutes. They should have opened up a little bit more and like just focused on the end. Give us the the ending that we're hoping for, which is trashy, twenty minutes, thirty minutes long, and like we know what happens in the end. But it would have been better that way because like you're saying you don't know who's getting possessed. One minute they're all fine, next minute the girl is getting thrown around and a woman's getting she like gets possessed and like her back gets snapped. I'm like okay, like in in this the book. He just standing, he's standing right next to Hundagani looking scary as fuck. He's looking at people and their backs are getting snapped. They're getting possessed. It's, it's all chaotic. And I'm like, he should be doing a little bit more for my liking for this kind of energy he's got. Because like, he's having a many good time. He just, she's, he said, you want to come to my turf? <laughs> you want to come where I'm comfortable? I'm going to show you what happens. That's what I'm saying. She 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 realized real quick with this ball gag in her mouth and her friend, her boyfriend's trying to get off this gurney. This demon sat next to her like, you want to come to my house? Oh, okay. Let me see what happens. <laughs> he fucks. He he literally fucks them all up. It's not a joke. And there was this is like you said. This is second. This is thirty seconds. <laughs> like they're all dead, knocked out, possessed. It's mad. Sorry, sorry, Lucy. You go. No, it's like it's sensory overload. My ADHD brain can't compute. It's like bang, bang, bang. Like death after death. Like it's it's good. Like this is probably my favorite bit because like it's it's gory and scary but like if you look away for five seconds or look at your phone you've missed a death or you've missed something and it's just like oh come on like you could have spent the time to extend that but it is good but it's just too fast it's too fast i agree for sure too way too fast so the debit goes to possess the priest first and then a wind up Possessed Windham chases after Casey and Mark. Uh, Windham and Mark end up getting into a bit of a tussle and Mark knocks Windham unconscious and then Mark becomes possessed. Um, so in order to kind of separate the Dybbuk from Mark, Casey stabs her boyfriend Mark in the neck and then Sendak and Casey complete the exorcism. They finish the rite and complete the exorcism, and Mark dies as a result, um, which must have been really hard for Casey. Like, I know we don't really get a huge amount of their relationship, but just kind of as a person with empathy, it must be hard to stab your boyfriend in the neck <laughs> and watch him die. Uh, yeah, like, I feel like, girl, she's been through enough. Come on, her best friend has got murdered. She feels she's got a twin that she killed, uh, and that... You know what I mean? And it's like, and then she stabbed her boyfriend in the neck. And it's and then he doesn't just die like he falls to the ground. Like, he gets blasted off his balcony. And he, like, you know, he di- he's just a, a, a sore death. He, like, falls into the ground. He falls, like, I don't know, whatever fear it is. And he and it hits his head. And she's like, he's dying. It's awful. It's, and you think to yourself, oh, you could have just gave her him. You could have just left him. That's the thing. You know what I mean? I, that, I, did, I did feel bad for her as well. And I was like, oh, this girl has been through the whole thing of this, this last few weeks. My best friend, her life getting turned upside down. Her grandmother she met once, then killed, then dies. I'm sorry. So really, actually, now I'm thinking about it, poor fucking Casey. Damn. The only person that's safe is her dad. Her dad said, I'm going to work trip. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, sorry, her da- at one point her dad's there. <laughs> and next minute he's like, oh, he, she, he goes away for a few weeks. I don't know what happens. She's busting mirrors in that house and he's not there. So like, something's happening. Like, I'm uh, a leave. I'm gonna oh, leave to you to it. You said, oh, you seen your mum right now and your and your your nightmares? Bye, he out. He said, bye-bye. And but like you said, you don't you don't get to see a lot of the relationship. But the parts that you do see, I do think they are quite a strong couple, Casey and Mark. So I think that you do kind of see them being kind of strong. And um, yeah, it was sad. I don't like I, I I don't like that. I don't, I don't like that part. I like that. Okay, he had to die. I get. I understand it, but I'm like, did he have to die? You could have left him. 
I know I felt bad for him because like so you don't see much of them and in general most of the characters besides Casey like you don't really get that much character development but I mean Mark's not a bad guy you know and they seem like a sweet couple so it was a shame and his death was proper savage like he didn't go gracefully at all it was just served it was this and serving that whole like ripping the debuck out of him like you know I mean so I think that was what had to be a grand moment of doing it but I felt it kind of did the ending, that part, disservice because before it was so quick. And that's why I think that yeah. this is a good ending. It is a good ending, personally. Like, it's not a good ending, but it, it works. It's, it's, you're like, okay, I get that. It's made me go, yeah. oh, that's bad. And I think that it, it works in its favour. It makes me feel that way. But because before it, <laughs> you're getting, like, all this stuff happening right before it that's, so, like you say, so sensory overload, so, like, Idris Elba's on his knees, then Idris Elba's running around breaking walls, and you don't know what's going on. So it's like, it kind of, the parts before it kind of do it a disservice, but she survives. Or does she? Oh, spooky. (laughs) (laughs) So, as if this wasn't enough, when Casey starts to wonder, like, why why did the Dibbic become active all of a sudden in her life right now? Like, this is a bit weird. Um, she takes a pregnancy test. We get a few flashbacks to other points in the film. Mark is saying she's been a bit hormonal. She's been sick in a toilet. Casey's pregnant, and she's pregnant with twins. <gasps> dun dun dun! And you're like, oh. again, the movie's trying to do something more than it is because her mum would have you know, that this would have stirred up in her mum now because she was having a child and, and you kind of, now you kind of know is it going to be the same for her now because obviously she's going to have a child. Is one of them going to get possessed? You don't know. You probably do assume one of them's not going to make it because she, when, ugh, her brother never made it, her mum's brother never made it and her mum's 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 brother got murdered by her sister. Anyway, it's, it's, a, it's an ending you're kind of like, okay i seen it coming i was like oh it makes sense when that little thing was opening up her stomach halfway through and i was like oh there you go should i get to the the, demon, the, the babies inside her it's so bad and then i was like, gonna oh sorry no you go you go no the minute i saw casey and mark shagging i was like oh this is gonna happen she's gonna she's gonna be up the duff um but it's like but it served no purpose watching them have sex it was it was seven seconds of just like oh, yeah nothing it said no purpose I mean it, you don't have to show it but you're like oh no it makes sense but I kind of like even though it's a predictable ending it's sometimes you want that dramatic like dun 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 so I kind of liked it and like the little flashbacks like sometimes you want you know you want that so yeah you want the cringe and you want the kind of oh really but you think yeah there could be a number two to that like for sure but not now because it's been 13 years and she's probably aged a little bit but um, you know, maybe in like ten years' time, they'll come, come out with a movie where where her daughter and she's like, and it's a whole just replaying it all. But yeah, it was a, it was a, it was not right ending. It was the, the last part of the movie was definitely better than the first part. Now that I've watched it again today, I was like, Jesus Christ, what have I done? There's so many <laughs> other movies that could have been good, but this is a good movie to like really pick apart. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, and, and some stuff in it were not like like that whole like being in the womb thing and the different. Like being identical twins, you they talk about Hebrews supposed to be reading backwards, all these little mistakes. Like, you should have known, you should have seen this going happening. It's mad, yeah. It's just, it's kind of obvious that nobody really cared about this film. Do you know what I mean? Like, these little things are just when you point them out, they're so obvious. It's like, where was the editing team? Like, 
where was the advisor on Judaism like <laughs> to kind of be like okay this is how we treat this sensitively and this is you know how we read the Torah and whatever other Jewish stuff and they were like, I don't know anything we, about we Judaism we've got a budget for that we spent the budget on <laughs> Gary Oldman again the whole thing about <laughs> I don't know why I'm making it about him <laughs> and the one from Spy Kids I forgot her name but she's great um, yeah it was just like they could have yeah, they could have done so much more just to do the due diligence, really, and, and make it seem, make sense. Because now I never picked up any of that stuff, but I suppose those who most people probably won't know all this stuff. So, like, they're not going to pick it up. Yeah. Unless, like, obviously, you, you obviously, you just do these podcasts, you do your research, so it's, it's finding these things out, and it's kind of like, oh, okay. I mean, it ruined the movie for me. Thank you. But. Sauce. Sauce. Can't believe it. No. Right. <laughs> Is there anything uh, anybody else wants to say about The Unborn before we get into box office and ratings? I love that you go to box office and ratings because that's exactly what I look for when I look at movies too. Oh my gosh, I love this. Um, when I watched it 15 years ago, I thought it was a, a, a great movie for the time. So when I watched it then being 15 and being interested in, in, in the paranormal or that kind of stuff, for me, was like, oh my gosh, and I would tell friends, oh, you should watch it, and they, they thought it was scary too. And then as I've watched it, getting older, even though I watched it a few years ago, I was like, mm, okay, I'm just going to try and pretend it's okay. And I'll even watch it again today. I think the, the when you grow up from watching the movie when you're a teenager or younger, your your position on it changes quite a lot. It's like when you watch like Jeepers Creepers, for example, you're horrified by it, and it still gives you like, oh, but when you actually watch it, it's kind of funny. And I watched it a few days, a few weeks ago, and I was like, "This is kind of funny." It still scares me, but it's kind of funny. Uh, so I think my final thoughts on that was when I watched it at the time, I was like, "Groundbreaking! Oh my gosh, this was slap bang in the middle of Panorama Activity Times, two thousand nine. It was when they were trying to really push out. That's when movies like that were getting made left, right, and center. So at the time when I first came out, I loved it. Now, not so much. Uh, and that's all I'm saying on that. It wasn't great. <laughs> oh God. Lucy, have you got anything you want to say? I think Stephen said it better than I could. Um, just basically saying everything you you'd said there, but I am glad I've watched it because I remember like I recognised the poster for this, and I didn't realise like how big this was at the time. And like you said, this was in the era of paranormal activity. We had quite a lot of ex- like exorcism style films after this as well. Um, like twenty early like two thousand nine, two thousand fourteen. Or so there was a lot of stuff going about. Um. So I'm glad that now I can say that I've seen it. I'm glad you could too. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So The Unborn was made on a $16 million budget and took in 76.5 million. So it made like like over five times its budget, which is crazy. Um, Considering how terrible it is. Sure. And that for them is probably a success. I think anything over like anything over 50 million would have been a success because you think of like is that 60 million including including promos if it is if it's not promo wouldn't have been that much on top of that you know what i mean so i think that it was a success probably they probably thought that was good nice little 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 income but for for how bad it is uh it's done pretty well how much of that 16 million do you think was gary oldman's (laughs) he got he got 
he got he had to have got over five million, at least seven million. And that's all I'm saying. I'm going to research that. That's not going to be public knowledge. I know it's not, but I like to think he got seven million for it, and that's what I'm going to go with. He never did. He never. Got, no, he probably he probably didn't got a million for it. But in my mind, that makes sense to me, and that makes me happy thinking he got most of the money, because that's the only way I can be like, you go, Gary, you get it. And you know what, Casey, the main actress, I hope she got it too. I hope she got the. You know what? I wish. I hope. He got seven, I hope she got seven, and then Romy got two million. And after that, it's done because they said they, they carried that movie. There, I said it, fight me. <laughs> that is the facts, and we're sticking to it. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna get so, I'm so heated. I'm so heated about a movie that I love so much, and I realized today it was crap. <laughs> <laughs> and it will still be one of my favorites because it is so it's so bad. You know what I mean? It's so bad that it's good in a sense. I'm really trying to keep this movie alive in my mind. I don't know what's going on. So in terms of ratings, on IMDb, this got a 4.7 out of 10. On Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave it 10% and the audience gave it 30. And Metacritic gave it 30% as well. But I don't give a shit about them. We want to know what you rate it. So Stephen, what do you rate The Unborn out of 10? Oh, that's a hard one because I've just shat on it this whole entire time. <laughs> Um, I, you know what? I'm gonna give it a six out of ten. Oh, that's a, that's too high. Uh, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a five out of ten. A five out of ten for me sounds good, and I and for me, I like it. Like, yeah, I like learning about paranormal stuff and dibbics and like how to get rid of it and stuff. Like that was one interesting things when I watched it back then. But five out of ten for me. Sorry, Gary Oldman. Mm. Lucy, what do you rate the Unborn out of ten? I'm going to feel so bad, Stephen. Please don't come for me. This is quite harsh for me as well, but just like, you know, paranormal exorcism films aren't for me, but I'm going to give it a three out of ten. Oh my God, I'm so shook. I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed myself watching it. No, I mean, uh, yeah, I'll forgive you for that. I'm on not burn down your house. No, I'm joking. I I I think it was quite generous giving that five, but it's because it's my movie. There was nobody else going to blow a five. (laughs) Fair. I I was like full on gonna give this a one. Like after I watched it, I was just I was disgusted with it. <laughs> it irked me so much. But um, after chatting through it, I feel like I have a lot more positive associations with it now. I've had fun talking about this movie, so I think I'm gonna go with Lucy and give it a three. But those three points are all for Megan Good saying "fuck off, you little shit" to a child. <laughs> Yes. Oh my and god. That's yeah, it. Absolutely. For what? I, that's all my five points. Fuck off, you little <laughs> shit. I can't. So good. It was so good. She's the best friend that we all need and want. Oh, yes. She was absolutely fantastic. Um, but right, the unborn. We're done with that now. We're over her. We're gonna move on to movie number two of the Spooky Sleepover. And we're gonna talk about children of the corn. That's my scary movie sound. <laughs> <laughs> Children of the Corn. If you guys could see right now what I'm showing, these are my notes on this movie that I'm. Where is it? I showed and was yeah, I showed it alone. Yeah, you became prepared. And these are some of them are just random sentences that you're not going to make any sense of. <laughs> so that's what's happening. Every child is afraid of the dark, the unknown, the nightmare. In Gatlin, Nebraska, that nightmare is in the corn. <laughs> Stephen King's Children of the Corn. 
around Stephen King, the author of Carrie, The Shining, The Dead Zone, and Christine, an adult nightmare. Children of the Core. Stephen King's Children of the Corn, an adult nightmare. Coming soon from New World Pictures. Right, so I'll take over and we'll get started. Take over. I love that. Yeah, we take turns. So Lindsay that does one so and the other. I, I love this so much. Thank you. I'm so excited to chat about this. So the IMBD plot for Children of the Corn is as follows. A young couple is trapped in a remote town where a dangerous religious cult of children believes that everyone over the age of 18 must be killed. This film was released in 1984. It was directed by Fritz Kirch and their other work includes Tough Turf. Never watched that, but I like the title. And Into the Sun. Um, the cast includes Peter Horton, Linda Hamilton, and R.G. Armstrong. And this is obviously based on the novel by Stephen King as well. Now, before we get into the plot, it was so funny you mentioned earlier, Stephen, about like, you know, like rose tinted glasses with the unborn. Because I was like that with this. I was like, this movie is shit hot. It is so fucking scary. Because I've only watched it like once as a kid and it freaked me out. And then watching it today, I was like, this is a pile of shit. <laughs> Oh, we both had moments today when we were picking these movies and thought, this is shit. They're going to think this movie is the fucking bomb. It's 10 out of 10. And we watched it and we were like, mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, Sorry. I hadn't seen either of these films before recording. Oh, and I was like messaging someone like, oh, I'm watching The Unborn. It's terrible. And they're like, what's the other film? I was like, Children of the Corn. And they were just like, <laughs> also terrible. And I was like, what? <laughs> like... So true. So was this your first time seeing it as well, Stephen? The Children of the Corn? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, first time. Ah, so time. fresh eyes on it. Um, it was good. I think that's really good because that, that means like like two of us have not seen it before and you have, and like two of you have never seen Unborn before, so it's like all kind of, it works well. It is, the little circle. Um, but we'll get into the plot. So this film starts off with a bang. We'll, we'll say that. Um, <laughs> it's set in the fictional town of Gatlin, Nebraska, which is like basically proper farmer town, as we say in Aberdeen, like Chukter village, you know, proper farmers. Um, And we get this initial scene where we have a 12 year old Isaac and there's this kid in like the the little cafe and he looks over at him and shit hits the fan. What do we think of this first scene where like all the adults are dying? Like, give me, give me life. Like, I wrote on my, sorry to jump in, I also said, young child narrating the start, weird, right? So the boy, <laughs> because they come at the church, don't they? And they're all like, da, 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 and they're like, and he's narrating what's going on, and they go to this little cafe. And you, but you know shit's about to go down, because you know it. And what else to put? Weird child by the cafe window, which is what you said, right? So this is, I, I, I was drunk writing this last night, because I, I got drunk last night. I love that. I never get drunk. <laughs> I, so I watched the first, like, 20 minutes, a bit drunk. Um, and I put weird child by the cafe window, which is what you just said. Hey, look, you see someone across the thingy. Instantly, I don't like the kids. It's a weird atmosphere. And I put poison in the adults. <laughs> but then after I read that, how they go in, I was living. Because again, for me, 
was kind of ties, and I know we're going to talk about what the similarities are, like for the both movies in the end, but like you kind of know exactly what's going on from the start in a way. You kind of know it, get it, it's with a bang. So I was immediately like, oh, but like they, 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 children were cutting necks, guys. If you if you're watching this, listening to us right now, they were slitting throats. This, there was, they were stabbing, slitting throats, poisoning people. I was living. It was cutthroat, literally. Literally cutthroat. And this little, this little shit Isaac was just looking at the window like, <laughs> what I've done, like, walked to it. I was like, oh, my God. I thought it was a great opening. I think that, personally, like, the rest of the movie was about, mm. but, like, that opening I thought was great because I knew exactly what was going on. I, it gave me what I needed right at the start. It kept me interested. And I was like, right, who else are they fucking going to get? What <laughs> Lindsay, I'm- what did you think? This film goes so hard at the start. Like, I was not expecting it at all. Um, And I absolutely loved it. I loved the shock of it. These children coming in and killing all these adults. They poison the coffee and people are just getting knocked out left, right and centre. But unfortunately, and it's something that continues through the film, the special effects aren't very good. Um, Like, Job's dad... um, when like after he's been on the phone with his mum to see if his sister's okay I mean he's get attacked by a meat cleaver but then you see the back of his shirt and there's like some blood stains on it but there's no like slice marks through the shirt and stuff like that and that like the bit where the throat gets cut it's just the special effect isn't very good and it's like it's such a shame because it like it lets it down because this is such like a shocking like opener um like Stephen said like really just gets you into it straight away you know what's going to be happening it sets the scene very well but then I just wish the special effects like backed it up a little bit better yeah I totally get that I will say one thing like this film we'll get into the box office later this was really low budget like really low budget so but some of the effects are a bit unforgivable (laughs) I also kind of, I also give it leeway to a certain extent because it was made nearly forty years ago, and um, although I know there was films that are out at that time even before then that did have better special effects for these kind of scenes, but for me I was kind of like, oh, they, I didn't notice things like that because, but I, because one, when you watch these movies, you're watching, you you have to have a critical eye away, but and, and you're probably way more versed in like how you watch movies than I am, so I didn't notice anything like that. I probably do now. Probably didn't notice that. I was like, well, that's that's weird blood, and it's, there's not a lot of blood for people getting their heads caved in. But like, I was kind of, I kind of let it slip because of how old it was and like how shocking it was. Which I think, I think that's probably what they hoped on as well. That it's so shocking that people are not going to really care or notice about like that kind of stuff but people are going to like they're going to see like these little things that like mm, this is taking me out of the fantasy especially if you really love these kind of these kind of moments and you then notice stuff that doesn't really fit you kind of like oh it's taking me out of the fantasy a little bit so I, t- I do agree yeah exactly um I know like you were saying you took notes even I only took one note it's on my um computer because I just had to write this the little boy in the cafe not Isaac the other one that suit he's wearing he's serving Wee Herman realness <laughs> Absolutely is we have in realness. I can't. It's so true. Oh my gosh. Yes. So we have um as we mentioned, um Isaac, who's kind of like the the leader of this cult of uh, it's religious cult of kids um, and they have they're based around this bloodthirsty uh, deity called he who walks behind the rose um, he also has a subordinate who's older than him this 18 year old kid called Micaiah now I think he's actually really scary as well Stephen how do you feel 
I, I is, is it Ma- Ma- Makai or is it Malachi? Ma- I don't know Malachi, it's Malachi. Malachi. Oh, there you go. I'm like, I'm, I mean, at the end, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, go Malachi, but he scares a shit of me. He is like, he, like, I, I was like, what did I put in here? Um, I put Malachi Isaac, ugh. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> I, yeah, it's just, I think that he gives me like, he's not as creepy as Isaac, but he's like, he's like, I don't know what it is. You kind of, you know, he's got that essence about him. He's got that creepy, you know, you've ever met someone in real life and they've got that weird, that weird vibe about them. He gives me that vibe. I think that's why I, I was so uh, against him because I've met some people like that in my life that are just weird, creepy, long hair, which not got bad hand long hair, but like, you know, you know what I mean? Just so weird. And you don't want to speak to them because they might stab you. Uh, Malachi is that person that will stab you. Um, so he was, he was giving me, um, I want to stab everyone in this entire town vibes. And you see him and it's, he gives me the, the heebie-jeebies, the fear. I can't... Mm. There's always that know. one kid at school, isn't there, that you're just like, there, there's something about you. He might kill people. And I want to be <laughs> friends with him just in case so he doesn't kill me. But like, oh, you know what I mean? Like you, he, he gave me that that weird kid at school vibes that if you started on them, they would somehow kill you. Um, but yeah, it was the, yeah, strange. And like a big-ass knife. He's always there. He's always just right, the whole time movie. He's always he just pops up everywhere. He can get around that Gatlin town so quick. Like, we get he just turns up like, oh, I'm like, okay, I know. And oh, <laughs> he's like, I'm here. Like, okay, where's Isaac? You know, doing his bidding for him. Mm. Anyway, that's a whole story to unpack later. I've got some notes on that bad boy. <laughs> what the, do you think? With the power struggle that we see later between Isaac and Malachi, it gives me very like Lord of the Flies type vibes. Because yes. Isaac's very like brains. He's um well, he must be very charming to have like convinced all these children to follow him. And Malachi's all about the brawn. And like if you've read Lord of the Flies, you see how that kind of uh, plays out and how it just kind of destroys this little society that they have to make. Um but Stephen King's um, named Castle Rock after Lords of the Flies. So, like, it doesn't surprise me that there's a little bit of influence of that in here um, because the book features in, I think, like, Cujo and Misery and stuff like that as well. Um, so, yeah, like, this little nod to Lords of the Flies as well. Anything with, like, groups of kids like that is so... I mean, I immediately got that as well, the Lord of the Flies kind of inspiration. I think that's what's so scary about this because like I mean kids are creepy anyway we've said that but you think of one kid against all these adults oh it's fine but then there's power in numbers and then you see them all and I find like because there's obviously this is very cult inspired and it kind of reminds me a bit of like midsummer in the cornfields it's in daylight and all this I don't know if you two are the same but cult films like really freak me out because it's it's kind of realistic you know yeah like you could definitely like see that happened to a certain extent, for sure. Like, that's why they're so scary, because, like, some of these things are based in some sort of truth in terms of not making me kill people, but how someone can be so influenced. Um, and with this movie, especially the opening scene, is children are, are revered as being sweet and, and not harmful, and that they are the ones to be protected in these movies. And then they have it in this movie with the kids. You know what I mean? They actually, like, they try to protect, you know? So when you see them go, this ham, and there's loads of them, and there's just, and there's no... Everyone's do. Everyone's involved. Everyone's just killing them. I think that really is such a such a, a great way to open it up because you're like, oh, there's no hope. There's no. You're not getting slow walked into this. That you know exactly what's going on from the start, and they're savages, and you're kind of like, okay, 
I'm in now. I want to see what's going on. If you're going to open it like this and having all these children just stabbing people and poisoning them, you 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 do think what's how is this going to end? You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, so basically, as we said, Isaac and Malachi and this like, cult that they have, um, they're dead set on murdering all the adults in this town from ages like 19 and up because 18 seen as like the halfway point. So Malachi's not got long left. Um, and they do like human sacrifices. As you mentioned, there's like the, the stabbing, there's the poisoning. And it's only Job and his sister, Sarah, in the town that aren't involved. And that's because you know, Job's not allowed to attend the meetings in the corn with the other kids and Sarah's sick. Um, and in the opening credits, this is where we get some kind of like visions as well. Sarah has visions and she's like drawing them on the paper and stuff like that. And she's quite inquisitive. Um, that's always creepy as well. I know that's like a stereotype in horror as well. Kids drawing creepy, creepy things. But I had on oh. my, my notes, it said Sarah and her dumbass pictures, weird ass drawings. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, her dumbass pictures are going to get her done one day. She's, she's, she's going to be the reason that it all goes to shit. I, I was obviously drunk writing this. Be like, her, I was in my room be like, her dumbass pictures and her dumbass drawings. She's the one going to get everyone in trouble. Like, it was so bad. Was She'd failed GCSE art so fast. <laughs> and then we had to suffer what she was drawing. I was like, I'm so done with this Sarah girl drawing her pictures. Can she stop, please? Like, I'm done. <laughs> I've just seen people getting my judge slashed, meat cleavers in the back, and Sarah's like, boy. <laughs> Uh, make it make sense like that doesn't make sense to me like one minute people are getting murdered next night she's like drawing her shit I'm like okay no that that's what this movie for me was like this is going to be a this is going to be a roller coaster I'm in I'm strapped in and ready to go we're we're ready to go um we get a flash forward so it's three years later it's October 31st Halloween time um 1983 and we have two new sets of characters so it's Vicky and her boyfriend Bert um, and they're traveling through Nebraska um, on their way to Seattle where Bert's going to start working as a physician and like one of the scenes that really makes me laugh they're, they're in the bed and everything like that and they're getting ready for the day and she's given him like a sing song for his birthday oh that made were you both cringing at that? I'm like it's supposed to be cute but no. I was I literally I, I, I muted it for a little bit <laughs> I don't need to hear this. I honestly, I also I don't know if you know this, but I actually wrote down in capitals and capital letters. I went Sarah Connor because she's from Terminator. Yes, so I so literally I, I was like Sarah Connor. That's what I done, and then she started singing. I was like, I'm gonna turn this off. Like I was like, I need to just mute this until she's done. But I literally wrote down Sarah Connor in capital letters. You don't really see that. There you go. Because <laughs> I was like, oh shit. But, <laughs> but her acting in this, that is to be desired. Not really. It was shit. Sorry. It's too much. I'm no, gonna... no, not at all. <laughs> so bad, so bad. Oh, she could give Casey a run for her money, right? Okay. I think I was kind of the opposite because I didn't even realize until this came out that this and Terminator came out in the same year, and this is so different from Sarah Connor that I actually thought it was quite nice to see her play someone like softer and being all like cutesy with her boyfriend. Like I don't know, maybe I'm just that. a big sap. No, that's really good actually. I think it's because I've seen her Sarah Connor first, and like that, and that's one of the things that plays on my mind. I'm like, oh god, it's so different to what it was. But actually, when you think about it, it's very true. She's very, she's very soft, very dainty in this. So that's probably why I was like, oh, no, I'm used to seeing her so, like, badass and, like, kicking people's heads in and, like, but, you know, try, like, surviving, like, you know, aliens from the uh, robots from the future or whatever. That's probably true, yeah. I could probably see, like, the, the two, two different characters probably are, okay, she's not bad as Casey now. You give me a good point. You give me a good point. 
We love the range. I didn't think of that either, Lindsay, but that 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 is that is a very so fair good. point. Um, and we're gonna get on to the acting in a second because this scene just winds me up. Um, so we have this young boy that's called Joseph, and he's trying to to flee the town basically, but he's attacked in the corn. Um, there's like a briefcase that he's got, and you see the blood dripping down. Um, and he stumbles onto the road, and Bert accidentally runs him over with his car. But now see when they get out, and they realize he's dead. Bert's not really that arsed. <laughs> and even like when Vicky's like, she's not crying. It looks like she's about to throw up on his shoulder. It's, she's like convulsed. Oh, I, I wasn't here for it. Throughout this film, I think he just proves like why he shouldn't be a doctor. Like he's like shaking the children. He's like very dismissive of Vicky and her concerns and stuff. Like he just doesn't care. It's like, you're going to have a terrible bedside manner, sir. <laughs> you're not going to survive your job. You're not going to get tenure wherever you are. Like, I, which I think is skill, to be fair. But, um, yeah, he didn't give a fuck. He did not care. He was, you know what? He, they trundled that boy in the back of the, the back of that car and was like, bye. And, like, also, again, these things in these movies, and they're like, he then walks off into the corn. Did he just walk off? Did he walk in? Yeah. Did he walk off into the corn? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He walks his ass into the corn because he thinks he hears something or something like that. And I'm like, what are you doing? First, this boy's just lying in the middle of the road. I, I, honestly, guys, you should watch this film because he does not give a shit. He's, he's like, oh, you've been my day. But you just ran this child over. You, it's you just way- murdered someone. And you bring up murder, like, oh, there's a murdered boy. But you, you murdered him. They say it so many times in the movie, like, it's in the trunk. Like, you've killed this child. He was innocent. Like, and he doesn't give a shit. He leaves Sarah, like, I say Sarah Connor. It's not even Sarah. Sarah <laughs> Connor Sarah. You know what I mean? Like, you're so true. It's so nonchalant that it's concerning. And I don't know if that adds to it or takes away from it. That's the concerning thing. I'm like, I was like, why are you not concerned about this? But I was also like, yeah, okay. Maybe he's just weird. It was just, like you said. It's testament to him being a physician. He's not going to last long in his job. I know it's not the age of, like, the mobile phone here, but I'm like, I feel like scooping up the runover child in a blanket and then chucking him in your boot is not the correct course of action to take. The fingerprints. And fingerprints. And then they rubbish through his suitcase. Sorry, <laughs> I can't! <laughs> I'm so done right now because, like, they see what I think about it. Even, uh, what's her name? Not say the corner. What's the, Vicky. Vicky. Is it Vicky? Aye, yeah. Vicky, open that suitcase. She goes through everything. They don't give a fuck. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I see what you think about it now. It actually enrages me. Like, they, like, oh, oh, we just killed a child and none of them give a shit. And then she's like, they're going through your suitcase. Like, oh, what's in here? Maybe it'll give us some more information. Like, no, I don't, I don't, it, oh, it's actually enraging me now. I can't even deal with it. Vicky's fucking ass. Bert's thinking there the audacity of this child going in front of the road at least I can nick his stuff <laughs> <laughs> he's thinking mm, I'm gonna steal it mm, love that for me I hope he's got something nice in that like, he genuinely his his whole whole mannerisms is like oh children my day you just murdered someone you don't give a shit like he didn't he does not care I'm just stealing people's stuff I oh he just chummed it up in the back of that and that boy was just trying to save his brother and sister I know oh, like, oh, I feel sad now that's a whole different turn and then he got murdered and it was Malachi because Malachi because he got stabbed first didn't he yeah plot plot twist or plot gap whatever it is he got stabbed in the in the in the little field by Malachi who just managed to find him at the edge of this fucking cornfield out of nowhere because he can teleport or something big ginger bitch (laughs) 
and then it, and then it obviously he's running out into the, in, in, into the road and then he gets wiped out by this car. When I say wiped out, guys, I mean he got wiped out by this car. So this boy had been stabbed in the neck, probably. This is me telling what happened. Malachi stabbed him in the neck, the bo- and he ran out, and then he got smacked by this car, and then he turned him into the back of the boot of this car and then stole his suitcase. Poor boy. I'm sorry. Stephen King, what the fuck is going on here? Absolute savage. And what also makes you piss myself laughing is Bert sees him, there's blood ally, and he turns him over like, oh, he might be alive. Who survives that, Bert? You're a physician. You work in the medical field. You know. Like, hello. I can't. He didn't, he, he didn't even work on him either. He didn't say, I'm going to give him a dissertation. He said, nope. He said, he said, it's America, do you have insurance? That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> You ain't got that bag, sorry, girl. <laughs> he said, "You don't got that money for me. Your parents, your parents aren't like, oh, you ain't got no insurance. You ain't get nothing off me. Bye." Like that's <laughs> exactly that was the vibes he was giving out. Guys, you need to watch this to really understand how how much he did not give a fuck. Oh, sorry. Like, continue. I'm like, I'm just thinking suitcases. I, I love I love how worked up you're getting honestly so worked up great. now I thought I thought the unborn was something I thought them this was better than the unborn in my opinion however now that I'm going through it I think we're going to have to really discuss this at the end <laughs> um so after they they put him in the boot they go through his suitcase um they search for a phone to call for help as we said this is the 80s they don't have mobile phones they've got to they've got to find a landline um, so they find this elderly mechanic um, who's the last adult in, in, the, in the village, but he refuses them service because he's agreed to supply the children with fuel in exchange for his life. However, Malachi breaks the pact and murders him. It's just like, uh, you know what? I'm just going to kill you. He said, it's my turn to make this <laughs> is what he said. And it doesn't even make, what, what, uh, what was the reason? Like, Cardi be chucking the, the stiletto. I don't get like, and, he, and he tries to explain what the reason was, and he was like, and Isaac was like, no, but we needed him. No, but we've got enough fuel. No, but we needed him. You dumb bitch. Like it just made no sense. And the poor old man. I mean, he was a bit rude. He was like, you're not. He was like, I've got no, de- I've got no gas for you guys. My landline doesn't work. Uh, go down that way. Like he was trying to, set, you know what I mean. And like he wasn't bad, but he was kind of rude. We didn't deserve. To, and, Sorry, I, I don't. I, I shouldn't be allowed on this podcast because I'm under <laughs> No, we love but, it, guys. Listen, if you're listening to this, they basically—I'm telling you what happened now. They lure him in. So after they send him on his way, blah blah, blah and Malachi is like, mm, "I'm going to wind up some of my trips and kill him." He, <laughs> they like lure him into the part of his garage, and the guy's got like a wrench, and he sees like three or four of them, obviously in there. And the old man who's got a bad back, by the way, you see exactly. him like, his bad back like an old man. Oh, grandpa, and like they all just like beat the shit out of him and like stab him and stuff. It's, it makes no sense. It serves no purpose to the story for the. Uh, actually, no, it does because it shows you that Malachi taking trying to take control and make his own decisions. Okay, Stephen King, I know what's going on. Okay, what? I see you. I see, I see what's going on now. I see that like, character arc forming. Do they not kill the dog as well? Yes. Oh. Right, I'm leaving this movie. And I'm never watching it again. Because <laughs> kill people. Right, even one over children, that's a shame. But kill an animal, a Absolutely dog, not. and they leave, they, they kill the dog, and the little handkerchief that he has around his neck is draped in blood. So the old man's like, Oh, not my dog. Like, he's like so upset, and he knows his dog's dead, and he, he realizes they're all hiding in his little garage to try and kill him. And he still hobbles over there. I can't. 
poor dog. Like, I'm actually getting traumatised about this movie. It's not even, like, <laughs> ten minutes in. I can't. I'm sorry for the trauma. I actually found today as well, this is slightly off topic, but there's a website called Does the Dog Die? And it has a list of movies, and it tells you if the animals die in it and when, so you could skip over it. That's really fucking good, though. I like it that. It is. I like I, that. I love that, I love that there's a, a website for about the animals dying, which is all fictional, too. But humans getting killed and slaughtered, people like, I'll watch that to the end of the days. But a dog dying? No. And I agree. No, don't kill the animals. Let them free. They've not done anything. Exactly. Traumatised me. I can't. <laughs> um, so after this, um, Vicky and Bert are exploring the abandoned town. So they've come into Gatlin and they find Sarah alone in a house. Now, this is another massive red flag for this couple. If you see a house, nobody's in. Don't fucking open the door. And they're like, you know what? I'm just going to explore. Stephen, what did the notes say? <laughs> I got my notes. I, you know, I have got what. Um... <laughs> also, this is me. This is going back, but I said, why did he run over that bloody child? Literally, he did after getting his throat slit. Like I don't know, like what I was doing. <laughs> and I'm also for this child still narrating goes to goes to the attic playing games. Strange. Or I put ox as an awkward. The ginger teen running the show. <laughs> but okay. Sorry, I'm just reading my notes there, but it says, rummaging through the dead kid's briefcase, girl. Vid. <laughs> uh, uh, I put gas man, in the, gas man in on the secret. Ginger teenager is annoying. <laughs> I put, they're, they're so upset to try to find any anyone that they just randomly stop at houses, annoying, like, drive away from that weird place. No, he's breaking into the house. Like, that's what I wrote down. Like, why are they going to... Just breaking, just walking in. I'm just walking to someone's house. They're just like, it's so annoying to me because that would never happen. But it's an American movie and no offence, but Americans would do that. So that's why. I don't know. They just open the door and walking in. If that happened to... What if someone happened just walking in your house? I'd be like, fuck off. No, sorry. So I had that note down there being like, they're just trying all these doors, these all these houses to just walk into. Sorry, I'm rambling again. No, 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 it's all right. Lindsay, what do you think? Like, Vicky's trying to, like, keep saying to him as well, like, don't go into that house. And he's like, yeah. but I saw something. <laughs> I don't give a shit, Bert. This is creepy as fuck. That's so true. You know what, Vicky, right, actually, I'd really fuck with her now that, that we're talking through this movie because she, the whole time, the whole time. The whole time. She's genuinely like, let's drive the other, she's, she said, whatever his name is, I can't remember the main character's name, the guy over to him now. Let's go this way. Stop doing this. I have a bad feeling. I know it's... He's like, oh, oh, I need to go... Fuck off. Oh, men! Men! Not the guys watching this, because men watching this are fun and, like, are, are smart. But this guy in this movie is a fucking idiot. Sorry. No, honestly, we did an episode a few weeks ago called Why Are Men? And we're just shitting on men in horror movies. Why do they do the things they do? And they're, um, they're nine times out of ten the ones that are always fucking shit up and always making the shit decisions. Women are always revered as like, oh, you need a man to save you. No, no, they don't. No, they don't. No. When does that happen? When do you ever see a, a woman go, I need a man to save you? No, it doesn't happen. Women would survive horror movies like that if they didn't have any men try to fuck them up. Exactly. And angry now. <laughs> And, like, as they go in the house, Vicky is saying, like, oh, we should leave. This is bad vibes. There's corn everywhere. It's deserted. Bert just goes up the stairs. He's like, I've heard something. I'm going up the stairs. It's that stereotypical, like, somebody's opening the fridge downstairs and they hear a noise. Don't investigate. Why are you doing that? 
we're lost for words now, aren't we? Because it's so, this is, this is 1984. So you're like, why? Also, Vicky's there. Are you not going to um, Vicky, stay here, girl. I'm going to see what's upstairs. Did you leave her downstairs? And this old ass house has got corn everywhere. You you know there's either going to be a homeless person living there or a weird person. I'm just going to go upstairs for a minute. You, you stay down here. And she's just like, start like, mm, okay. It's just, to me, it's strange. It's like, I've heard a noise, then leave. If you've heard a noise, it's occupied. It's not your place. Just get out. But nope, they want to go and investigate. And you know what? I hope you get stabbed. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know, Vicky, babe, you can do better. Like, just, just, just leave. She's actually the icon in this whole movie, and I'm so annoyed I didn't see it when I was watching it. Well, now we know. Now we know. Now we know. <laughs> love Vicky. Um. So as they're exploring the house, um, Bert's searching the town. Malachi and his followers appear, um, capturing Vicky. I think at this stage as well, she also sees Sarah upstairs, and um. Obviously, Sarah is this like terrified little girl, but she's pretty good with her. She see, but she sees all the drawings and stuff like that, and she doesn't run away, um, which which is fair. Um, but yeah, when Malachi comes in the house, it's so fucking creepy. He has this look about him, um, and sorry, I'm just yeah, because the, 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 the yeah, sorry, and the dad, what's his name? The guy, what's his name? Oh, Bert. 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 Bert is like, I'm gonna go into town. Okay, what and leave and Vicky's like what and leave me and and Sarah what's the little girl's name Sarah Sarah yeah I'm getting confused now Sarah Connor and leave <laughs> me and Sarah here uh, uh, he's like yeah bye and she's like oh okay like she didn't want to do that she wanted to leave she said hi child this is your house bye and he left so that like, she's in the house by herself like that for me was a red flag that's so stupid like you know it's weird you know that the town's weird why are you going back into the town like it's, and leaving your missus with a random child in this house. Malachi was like, I'm teleporting. I know where there's trouble. <laughs> he very well could be teleported. I mean, with half the shit that happens in this film, I wouldn't be surprised. And if not, he'd be running. He deserves that skinny figure he's got because he'd be, he'd be running from parts of Gatlin that no one can else do because he's running through cornfields, he's run up and down alleyways. He's running through everywhere to try and get these, to these places. But yeah, when he gets in, he's just really, it is very creepy. It is very like horror movie, but it's in the daytime. That's like, I think this is this movie. I'm, I'm shitting on it, but like it's not terrible because it's in the daytime and like you don't really expect things like this to happen in the daytime when you're yeah. driving through. And, you know what I mean? So it, it adds a bit of the, you're just so openly, just how he walks in the house, he just sees feet and it goes up to his legs. It's just having his ginger face, <laughs> his weird ass teeth. <sighs> it's that way there's nowhere to hide in the daylight. Everything can be seen, so- everyone can be found. Whereas at nighttime, you and all the, the ghoulies can hide, mm-hmm. whereas in the daytime you can't. You can't but, and you always think you're protected too, and you're not. That, that's the scary mm-hmm. thing about this. But what I love about this scene as well, it's like kind of bordering on uh, Romy shouting at that child that she just ran over. Um, when Sarah gives her this pit, like Vicky, this picture, and she's like, I drew you. And it's a picture of her about to be sacrificed. And Vicky's looking at it like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> funny and I wish we'd spent more time there I was she was like what the fuck she genuinely was like um oh, she wanted to go bye like her instincts were like she wanted to get up and kick this child and leave like <laughs> although this child is not evil we don't know she's like drawing his pictures like look what I can do like it is so funny we watch her back. she goes what is this and she's like she's so annoyed and then you know what she followed her instincts there and left and just and see Malachi on the walking towards her and she's driving the car like bye like the girl's there go and find her but it's, I wish I wish they'd spend more time on that too and more like alluding to that and 
and then got us to really understand that Vicky is an icon and she carries this film. Thank you. I retract my statements about her, her being a bad actress, bad acting in that time. <laughs> I would have liked to see more about Sarah as well because you're not really told an explanation of how she got these visions. It's just, oh, this kid has these visions. Like nothing's really explained about it. I know there's like, I think there's maybe three or four children of the corn movies. There's loads of them. So I don't know if that there's gets- There's 10. They're, holy shit. I know. Well, hopefully they bloody explain it at some point in this saga, giving Star Wars I a run for their money. Ten. Like, I can't. I know there's 10, because I, I watched when I was trying to search for it. I was like, why is there like 15 of these films? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so after this, Vicky gets captured by Malachi and his gang of kids, and they take her to the cornfield where she's placed on a cross to be sacrificed so savage so creepy and again in 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 the daytime vicky's been she's been through enough you know it, it's it's the same as in the unborn our gals have been through enough give them a fucking break string the men up bart deserved to be on that cross i don't give a fuck what anyone says i said it fight me he deserved to be strung up there and you know what vicky would have done she would have left she would have said you know what you got yourself in this mess she said i'm only here because you left me with this little fucking girl. If it was a choice, I was I was out of here, Bert. I was gone. I was living my best life in wherever they were traveling to. Like, I can't. And like, also, what I like, I'm such a ranter. What I do like, what I do like about this movie is the pacing is a bit strange. However, you're never, you're never bored. Like, the movie itself is not like a high, like, oh, so, so exciting. But I was never like, there was never parts when it was so long, you're kind of like, oh, okay, like this is the, this is the filler moment. It kind of did flow all right, and you kind of knew what was going, like, okay, she's in the house, she's getting attacked, she's now on a cross getting sacrificed, you know what I mean? So I was kind of like, okay, the, the, the pace now is, like, picking up, you know, you know what it's getting into, which I did appreciate. I think for back then, that was pretty common in those kind of movies, you know, especially like a Stephen King movie as well. Like, it's very much, I mean, the probably books were probably way more filled, way better, but um, I did appreciate, like, the the swiftness of getting right into the, the sacrifice it's quite interesting in terms of the pacing because the unborn i think is just under 90 minutes and this is 92 minutes so they're both just at the hour and a half mark so it's quite interesting to see how the pacing is different between them um it's so so strange they're so similar too i don't think i didn't realize they were that similar in like length and the pacing is i think the unborn starts off at a good pace personally and then it kind of <laughs> loses its weight and then it finds it again and it loses it and then it finds it at the end and you find it okay Whereas this one, well, you'll find out. Does it keep the pace? Who knows? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll find out. Um, so after this scene where, you know, Vicky's put up. Also, I would have actually loved to see Bert, as you mentioned, being sacrificed. And we could have had a Florence Pugh moment where maybe he's set on fire and Vicky's just smiling. Like, I would have loved that for her. Um, but after this... Um, Bert enters the church so we have a church and again this is like really creepy there's like corn everywhere there's these vines um, and there's a congregation of kids and it's led by a girl called Rachel who's performing a cultural birthday ritual for Amos um, by drinking his blood from a pentagram shaped cut on his body now this is where it's proper cully this is and you know what I support Rachel she, <laughs> she was giving me main character vibes from the very fucking moment I saw her and I said, you know what? And in the end, you know what happens. And I was like, give give her the main character. She, I, I want her to kill Isaac and Malachi and take over. She was giving me what I needed. And I was like, okay, devil child. If it's going to be someone, it's going to be Rachel. Because she was not giving a shit. She she tried she tried to fight, but she was like she was like 
she was trying to throw hands. You know what I mean? She, she was she was trying to do all sorts. That was like, work your life. You know what I mean? And then she's like to get, then she's like to seize him and like the, the children. Like he's a grown man and he just <laughs> fucks them all. But I'm like, if I was Rachel, I'd be like, you didn't try hard enough, Mingans. There is loads of you and only four of you. You should all bum rush him if I could get away with that little chalice of blood that I got from this 19-year-old man's chest, by the way. Strange. Sorry, I keep rambling, but Rachel was giving me life. No, I love it. She was truly gatekeeping and girl bossing. We love to see it. She was girl bossing in 84. I can't, I stand her. She like she is truly the best. Like she's got so much charisma up there mm-hmm. on that pew. Like the way everybody was just so enchanted. And then when she's like, when she goes, get Isaac, and then she's like, get Malachi. Like the way she says it, she's like, I want to do this man harm. She was in on. The, she was in on the takeover. She was <laughs> in on the hostile takeover. She was part of the hostile takeover. You know what? I bet she put the snake in Malachi's ear. I know she did. I know she. You know what? Yes. She did. She said, Malachi, I'm not trying to do sex, that's weird. Malachi, you should be better. And then he was like, oh, okay, start stabbing people. She was behind it all. Yes. And I, I love I love that. That 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 is how how it happened. Yeah, so <laughs> this is now a Rachel um Children of the Corn Santa account. So yes. get with it. <laughs> Um, so Amos has, as we kind of mentioned earlier, he's turned 19, so he's considered old enough for his passing. 28-year-old me is shaking right now. Um, and he has to join their gods in the cornfield. This is the one thing that I kind of liked about Bert. The only thing, he scolds the children for participating in a blood ritual. And he opens, like, the Bible and is like, you're just picking and choosing what you want. And I was like, that's very true. Um, it's like still very apt for right now if you look at what's going on in America you know 19 kids get killed and they're trying to ban drag queens because they just pick and choose they pick and choose what they want and I think that's a very very smart reference to that because it's and and you see that in a lot of like laws and religions in different countries as well they use the religion they use like the bible and things like that to get what they want and make it as an excuse so I think that's very nicely done and he done it in such like a nice quick way and I was like oh, okay and I think that's when Bart had a bit of substance to his character as well mm-hmm. like he was not afraid to be like you, you guys are fucking insane what are you talk about your children like you should not be doing this so I was like okay Bart I fuck with that but you have Vicky is still getting dragged to cornfield right now you're doing nothing but okay <laughs> Um, so after this um, Rachel is absolutely raging and stabs Bart then Malachi and the others chase him and then Job rescues Bert and they hide out in like a fallout shelter with Sarah and it's only now that they've learned that Vicky was captured and agree and agrees to help him rescue her they never thought till this point oh what's happened to Vicky you know no no cares no cares at all he, when he's seen that whole time from getting to that church to that underground thing he wasn't like where's Vicky where's my wife <laughs> it was only he was like oh my god what's going on here oh, oh she's been taken and then he's like let me get out of the place to go and get her and he's opening the door and he's waiting for the girl to say to come up to shut the door behind her i'm like bitch run like my wife's on the like i can't even deal with them he's again i had a point for being nice in the church and try to scold scold all those children but this lack of care for fucking vicky i can't vicky's also an icon rachel and vicky make a, make a movie about them in both films it's just the women that shine you know that's so true. Oh, put Romy in there. Romy in there. She would not. She would not take shit. Yes. She, you know what? She'd bunch shit if she was in there. Um. So after this, um, we have a scene. This is kind of 
where the real power struggle between Malachi and Isaac happens. So Isaac is giving Malachi shit for um, killing our wee grandpa, our elderly mechanic earlier, because it was their only source of fuel. Um, Malachi's had enough of this. He's had enough of being under Isaac's reign. Um, takes over and says, you know what? Isaac needs to be sacrificed instead of Vicky. Isaac says that um, Malachi sacrificing him will break their pact with the he who walks behind the rose and the children will be severely punished. Um, what do we think of, of this scene? Would you have sided with Malachi and been like, actually, yeah, like, let's kill Isaac? I, like, see at this point in the film, like, all we've seen of Malachi, I'm like, how on earth did this guy like managed to get everybody on his side like he does not have a single ounce of charisma or anything about him he just looks pissed off all the time like I don't know how he managed to charm all these people and get them onto his side whereas like you can see it with Isaac you can see that he's like intelligent mm-hmm. Malachi's just like doesn't have two brain cells to rub together like how did this happen the math isn't mathing. No. no. And Isaac is very charismatic. Now, I, I, I was also researching that the, the actor that played Isaac was actually 23, and the actor has growth hormone like deficiency. So he, he, he looked a lot younger when he, so he's actually 23 years old. And I kind of, when I seen his face, and I thought, he, kind of, he does look like a child, but he also looks older. I was so, thinking that exact same thing. Yeah. Like there was something about his skin that made him look very adult. I yeah. couldn't put my finger on it, but. That's it. There you go. Like he, like he, like looks like a child, but he's not. And I think that I think that probably attests to actually having him as the he is twenty three years old and it's probably established, you know, adult an actor maybe playing a child. So he probably has like I mean that's probably why it was so convincing. And yeah, he has a charisma. So like for me, it's like he had that. You know, we have all those people that are the head of a cult are always very charismatic, always make you do things. Malachi isn't giving me shit. You know how they all got. You know how they all got convinced. Rachel, she was the campaign manager. Yes. <laughs> she said, "Listen, you just you you be the face of it. I'm gonna do the hard work." She went around all everyone, and she had she had knives to the throat, and she said, "You better fucking vote Malachi." <laughs> she said, "You better follow him because I'll fuck you up." I think it was all Rachel, but yeah, he doesn't have any. It, there's nothing in his character arc or how he talks or any moments in there where you actually see him being like control being able to manipulate people without force if that makes sense so it's like did he threaten everyone else and would he have done that without Isaac knowing that already so it doesn't make sense like I'm gonna just kind of put that in the film like I liked it and I knew it was happening and I was like okay and then Isaac was like get him seize him and they're all like "Mm, I'm not gonna do that and he's like oh how would you not have known you've lost all that power at some point, you know? It makes no sense. What are these bloody accents they're talking in as well? It's oh like transatlantic, like, it's definitely not Nebraska. That's not how people from Nebraska <laughs> talk. I, I, I don't even know how they even talk, but I think it'd be more like, it'd be more like twangy, but they're like, he was like British, I don't know, they're just a transatlantic accent. He's like, get him! And I'm like, what the fuck? Is this Paul from down the road? I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> Like it was just so 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 funny and yeah the, the the power struggle was great and you knew it was going to happen you could see it in the whole entire film at some point but that point was like Malachi doesn't have the he's not giving me the ah uh, sensation as Monique Hart would say so yeah it makes it doesn't really serve because he's not really showing that kind of side of himself. But I love hand yes. <laughs> we live for Rachel we and do. I love her so much. 
I love the Monique Hart reference because this is also a Monique Hart stan account. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, we shall be best friends. This is it. I'm going to come on another podcast in like a few months' time. We'll just talk about Drag Race. And it'll be really good. But yeah. Oh, you're definitely welcome back always. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so we have, as we said, we have this like wee rivalry going on. That night, Bert sneaks into the cornfield to rescue Vicky. Um, and during this whole like sacrifice that we think is going to happen with Isaac, there's this supernatural light that appears and devours him. Now, this is where <laughs> the special effects are a little bit much left to be desired. What what do we think of, of this scene? I like th- what they were going for. Like, good idea, poorly executed. Is like the nicest way to say it. Because <laughs> I was just thinking as well, like, I know it's really low budget. When we looked at Poltergeist... Like they had those kind of similar effects in it, and it was like chef's kiss. That mm. was done great. Oh. I just, oh sorry, no, I was just gonna say, Poltergeist still holds up, whereas the special effects in this do not hold up. And I think Poltergeist is older than this as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like is it late seventies, early eighties? I think it may be eighty two. Don't quote yeah. me on that. Um, but I feel like <laughs> with when you have a low budget like that, you kind of have to pick and choose your battles. So if you know you can't afford like good effects, again, it is the 80s, so I get that. Don't have it in or just do practical because like how many times do we say practical effects are still great now? Like look at The Exorcist. That's still great 50 plus years on. Um, Stephen, do you have any notes about this scene? I did. I actually had notes about the, the scene before too. I should read you all of them. Um... I'll put these are just notes. Um, the children are so organized. Honestly, that ginger teenager is giving me main character vibes, though. Oh, I should t- change that to Rachel. Um, I put okay, but Malachi wants to take over. He wants to be top dog. This is me just reading stuff towards the end now. Had the chance to to take Malachi out, but he didn't. Rookie mistake. I think that was the dad. I'm talking about when, he was, when Malachi was in like the hut, just hit him in, in the leg. I should stab him in the face. Anyway, um, oh Isaac has been overthrown. I fuck with Malachi, he's running this shit. I don't think that now, because he's a little bitch. Uh, so, but, but, but the, the special effects were not to be desired. They were fucking awful. Like, really bad. Like, really, like, like this is a Stephen King novel. You try to, this is a movie. Do something, like, say, practical, like, like there's ways to be to, to, to do it that would have given us what we needed without actually having to make that special effects. And I was like, this, what's this gold shit on the floor? Is this a puddle of piss? What's going on? And then, but I did say that, oh, it's actually not just made up. It's genuinely paranormal, like, spirit. it is actually something. So I was like, oh, okay. I, I, I was like, I, it's not all for nothing, if that makes sense. This is actually mm-hmm. true. Isaac was being real. Like, there is something that's, like, in the corn or whatever. And, like, it's like, you know what I mean? So I was actually surprised that it was actually, it was to a higher being and he, that person that thing is real and that thing is killing people so I was kind of shocked and I was like okay it's not all for nothing now which makes me feel a little bit better because I'm like oh this killing even though they just they've all killed their parents which is sad but I'm like it's not for like make-believe if that makes sense which a lot of these cults a lot of it is all just make-believe and it's all just like one person wanting all the control but actually no that there was like this thing and the, the corn that was killing them and was sac- taking them for sacrifice and stuff which I think you've probably known that beforehand when they'd sacrificed people before but I just didn't click on until the very end that it was actual genuine paranormal shit 
Well, I mean, kids are really creepy, so they could have just done it for the banner, to be fair. And I would have been like, you know what, that that makes sense. But you're right, because so many cult films are just like, it's about this leader that is so manipulative and is seen like a god that like they could have said anything and, and you know, the group would have believed them. So the fact that it is actually real is quite like a nice, a nice nod. Um, so after we have that questionable special effect um Bert emerges and overpowers Malachi pushing him to the ground um, and then convinces the kids to abandon the cult and run for safety now they're not going to listen to an adult they're too far in it at this point I would be you know what I've killed all the adults in this village I'm not leaving it there Bert is not convincing me to do fucking anything. No. Like, he is the worst character in this film, and there's Malachi in it. Like, I'm not following him. <laughs> this is fuck off. We killed our parents. <laughs> we killed our parents, our grandparents, our grandmama, our granddaddy. We killed everyone. You telling us, oh, we should abandon it now? No. Bye-bye. <laughs> you ain't giving me nothing. And then there's, a, there's this moment where Vicky runs to the edge of the corn thing, and she turns around and she looks, and he goes, Vicky, go! And she's like, okay. <laughs> She 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 goes. She genuinely goes. Okay, and she turns. She does not look back. And I say to myself, Vicky, you're the main fucking character. She said, "You saved me. Thank you. Bye." Oh, she said, "You got me into this shit. I'm getting myself out." <laughs> I, I I swear, God, when she just when he said, Vicky, I said, "Go." She, she genuinely goes and she doesn't say anything. She just turns around and runs away. And I'm like, you know what? I'd do the same. I'd do the same. He got you into this mess. You get yourself out. Let him die. Oh, sorry, I'm a Vicky Stan account now. Sarah no, Connor. we should, as she should, run away, live your run best away. single independent life, and yeah. just like he was hoping I could get back, back in that car and go. Like, <laughs> she wanted so bad, and also the fighting that fighting made me giggle between Malachi and Bart. Oh, oh. so bad, it was so bad. I was like, I was, I genuinely was watching like this with my fingers, and I was like, this is so bad, so bad it's good. And there's and all the kids are just standing there, like. it's like when there's a fight at school and you're the because i i never gone to fights but i was a nosy fucking kid so i was always watching them and you're just like oh oh, what's happening it was giving that energy in the playground the person's beating up our master so this whole thing's going to end and we're all going to die we'll just let him do it Mm -hmm. okay and bart's (laughs) like you should all give up he's like "Mm." they're like "Mm." no we're not going to give up because you said so I killed my granny. I'm too far. Yeah, like, I literally uh, stabbed my granddad in the face. But <laughs> like that's another thing. These kids, fuck them kids. Like these kids are so, they're so cunty. They're, they don't give a shit. They live their best life. Like this is like a prime example of a movie that's about kids just being evil because they're all evil. They, were, they are. <laughs> all got convinced. They all killed their. Pa- this is not just one or two guys. Listen, if listen to this, this is not one or two children. This is fifty fucking kids. Maybe not that much, right? That's a lot of people. That's a whole primary school class of children stabbing the shit out of their parents. I can't. And they're all just sat in this cornfield, like, mm, mm, I'm just gonna wait to see what happens. Like they, they didn't jump in for Malachi. They said, "Sorry, I'm not rambling." They said, "You know what? We're gonna switch our allegiance to Malachi. He's clearly someone that's greater." And he has asked it to beat in front of them, and they're like, mm, twiddling their thumbs. Don't know what I'm going to do. Mm. There's, there's 30 of us, only one of Bart, but I'm just going to stand here and see what happens. No. Uh, you know what? Uh, sorry, I'm going to, again. If I had Malachi's back, if he was my ride or die, even though I don't like him, and I, 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 I swore my allegiance to him, I'm stabbing Bart in the back. <laughs> as soon as he's beating Malachi up, I'm like, boop, in the back. You get, I stab my, my mum and dad. I'm going to stab Bart. Like, I'm sorry. That's when you know the kids had reservations, but they're still just going along with it. Right, I've rambled too much. I'm sorry. 
no I love the rambles and I was literally just thinking there imagine this with like British kids and I was just thinking where could you have it Butlins or Centre Parks (laughs) (laughs) Butlins for sure oh my god (laughs) British kids are fucking savage as well could you could you oh Scottish do it in Glasgow no Oh, if they did it in Glasgow, the whole shit would have been done in, within a week or two. Like, everything they needed to be done was done. <laughs> no one was fucking up that plan. Everyone was dead. Like, that was it. <laughs> the person in charge would off you in front of everyone if you even said boo. There's nothing there for them. It'd be a hostile takeover because Rachel planned it. We know what she was doing. Yes. And Malachi, someone in Scotland would know that already and would have your head cut off. Like, it was done. These three years, three years in this little time, what were they doing? What was the end goal? This movie. <laughs> um so after this um yeah this 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 fight um Isaac suddenly reappears he's now alive again um by he who walks behind the rose this is also fucking creepy I thought damn Isaac got his revenge he gets up he looking like some busted face and he was like what did he say um, he says that the deity is angered over him being sacrificed and that he wants Malachi sacrificed he, as well for his betrayal. He's like, he wants you too. I was like, oh, Isaac, he came back. He said you will overthrow me. And that's what I loved as well because it was like, he was being truthful. He was being on it. He was genuinely being like, I'm like, all those fucking psychopaths. He was like, no, you have killed me. And I, I had told you this was going to happen. Now it is going to happen. That's what I like about this movie because usually you, you get like, oh, they're all just crazy people babbling bullshit. No, he came back. He got Isaac. He done what he said. He he did what needed to be done. He and did. That's what I like about it. It kind of it kind of everything they're saying was was truthful. And like, and killing everyone wasn't for no reason. And I kind of fucked with that. Even though it was parents getting murdered, but sometimes parents need to be murdered. Then I said it fight me. I, that's bloody true. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, sorry, Lindsay. I do love this for Isaac because like throughout the whole film he's saying to Malachi like you're too prideful like Malachi is like from the start of the film anyway trying to run the show so I just like love this for Isaac that he's proven right this whole time and uh, yeah I love the way that he takes Malachi out as well because yeah, Malachi needed taking down a peg or two. Like, this whole film is just, his nose has been put out a joint that he's not the leader. That's his whole problem. Like, he doesn't speak to God like Isaac does, like, if that's what you believe in, fair enough. Um, and he's just, like, deciding off his own back. He's like, no, this isn't what God wants. It's just like, no, like, Isaac and God actually speak to each other and have conversations. Isaac's the one that knows what's going on here. You don't, you don't like know anything. In. They're like best buds. They're like, mm. I'm getting yeah. the phone call from God, girl, you're not. And it, you know what it is? It's giving me toxic, toxic masculinity. Mm. Yes. It's, it's giving me toxic masculinity. I'm not in charge, no. Because there's only one person, there's, there's going to be one cook in the kitchen, bitch, and you're just the salt. Sorry, you're the table salt right now. And that's that's so, that's what it was given the whole time. Toxic masculinity. I'm not in charge. Good. Isaac deserved to be in charge. He, he got you to murder your fucking parents. Sorry. I can't. You know what? This is an Isaac Stan account too. Like, this is... Give me, a, give me a movie with Isaac, Rachel, and Vicky. I'm in. And fucking... And Romy from the first movie. <laughs> A whole film of icons. Uh, you know what? Malachi needed a slice of humble pie and he fucking got it. Um, so... such, a good, such a good part to the movie. I thought that was, it wraps everything up in a bow that you love. I personally, I was like, yes. Yeah. 
it's like you know the good for her in horror this is a good for him it's like good for him good for isaac um so isaac seizes him and kills malachi who's absolutely shitting himself now trying to be this big lad he's like oh absolutely terrified um he breaks his neck so like breaking of necks and eyes like that freaks me out it was like it was personal you know what i mean he was like i'm getting up close and personal with you his hands one hand done it that's the little small child that was supposed to play broke his neck i love that savage so after this, um, a storm appears over the cornfield and Bert and Vicky shelter all the kids. They take them to a barn and Bert starts reading a passage in the Bible that um, Jobs had given him. Um, Jobs reveals that the police officer tried to set up the gasol to stop the he who walks behind the rose, but Malachi murdered him before he could finish. Vicky rereads the passage and realizes that the cornfield has to be destroyed by fire in order to stop this false god. Um, and then Bert sprays it with this gas and then they toss a Molotov cocktail. I love a Molotov cocktail moment. The gamer in me, fall out, love it. Um, oh, but it up. doesn't break. And the little, the boy, he starts running. He, he said, he, he, you know what? He's a, true, he's a true champion in that whole movie. Everyone's champion apart from the main characters. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm a is, but like, he like runs and gets like, the Molotov, runs back in time. Like, he's a sprinter. I was loving that. The, car- the cardio that's needed. The way they call it a false god as well, though, like, you see it in the film. It's not false. Like, no. I, don't, I don't believe in God because, like, I don't see God in my life. We literally see, like, the person that these kids believe in in action throughout this film. And it's just like, oh, it's not real. <laughs> it's like, it fucking is it's not real. real. The sound is moving. <laughs> there's, 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 like, shots of light, like, Colours, but that special effect of the red light going up. Oh my god, absolutely not! It was. I was like, "Is this cardboard cutter? I don't know what's going on here." <laughs> but like, I was like, "It's real." Like that's why it makes this whole movie even better because I'm like, they're doing it for a purpose. Like, don't, it's not a false god; it's a real god, and he has power. Isaac was onto something. He just got led to the wrong path. They were truly gaslighting. They're like, <laughs> I, I, I stop, yeah. but no, don't, it don't exist. Don't exist. You know what, Isaac, he, he deserved. <laughs> he he shouldn't have died. <laughs> this whole, you know what this movie has given me a whole different twist in it when we talk about it and it's so good to do that kind of stuff because I fucking hated it when I watched it now I love it <laughs> I'm glad we've gone on that journey for you um, so they satellite the cornfield which destroys the god along with Isaac got it um, Vicky, Burt, Job and Sarah return to the car to leave Gatlin but find that the car is not working um, Rachel attacks Burt love that for she her in the back of the seat she was the last yeah. one. She was a true fucking ringleader. She's to the very end. Oh, so I love that. Sneaky. It. Sneaky. But I, I, I think I wrote down in here that I said, typical. Always someone in the back seat, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, <laughs> exclamation mark. And he didn't check it. He didn't check the back seat. He just said, oh, I've just been, I've nearly been murdered for the last day. I'm not going to check the back seat. Okay, error. I mean, it's Bert. What do we expect? If it was Sydney Prescott and Neve Campbell, she would have looked in that back seat. <laughs> Vicky would have looked in that back seat. Rick- Robbie would have looked in the back seat and stopped now. But yeah, he tries to get her and like knocks her out, didn't he? So it's like, just kill her at this point. <laughs> Rachel would have looked in the back seat if it was Rachel at the front. Rachel was saying, is, is there a Rachel in here? But she doesn't die. Does she? She only gets knocked out. Yeah, it's just knocked out. Vicky oh! knocks her out. She's in the second one. I know it. I had to, to watch the second one. If she's not in it, I'm literally writing to Stephen King's and I hate you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Rachel um, attacks Bert and then Vicky knocks her out with the car door. Proper thunk. 
um he's worried about just leaving her there funny that you have empathy now the no end of the film. he's worried there's still a fucking dead body in the bay <laughs> there is that poor boy also he was not worried about leaving vicky mm. <laughs> red flag red flag i can't that poor boy's still in the bit oh my god i can't that poor <laughs> boy needs justice he, he, was, he was the first one trying to survive that fucking Malachi. Sorry, I hate him. Oh, my notes were so different. I was like, oh, Malachi, he's, he's getting it. No, I, I disapprove. Vicky ends up, comes out with this line, which is fucking hilarious. And she's like, oh, we'll just send her a get well card. You know, just go on Moonpig. Just give <laughs> her that thinking of you, babe. <laughs> she's like, like, oh, she got a get well card. And then they depart with the kids. And, and that's that's the ending um this film there's been a lot but what do we think of this this ending as they're kind of going off into the sunset i suppose ish yeah the attack in the car back in the seat was very like oh okay it seemed a little bit beneath the film in my opinion because i was like that's so cliche it's so like it's so been done already but it's also because it's rachel it's iconic so i'm like you go girl and i think the ending like because so much was going on during the whole movie I don't know, I, may, I think I maybe expected a bigger ending than that, but actually, when I think about it now, and there's also all these sequels, that's probably the reason why they've done that, maybe. Um, it, it wasn't the best ending. I, I, it means something more dramatic, or one of them dying, but it made me happy. Either one of the kids or one of the adults, or both, I don't know. Um, would it give me that more of the, oh, the person that survived at the end, you really deserved it. Um, and, yeah, but it was all right. I didn't hate it, the ending. Lindsay, what did you think of the ending? Yeah, there's there's kind of like an interesting message, like conservative, like diehard Christianity versus like the modern couple, because these are like college students are not married. You know, we see them like at the beginning of the film, they've obviously shared a bed together. And then by the end of the film, they are like basically like a married couple with two kids. And I'm like, I'm not entirely sure what message that they're trying to send and obviously it's the 80s so there was a lot of like debauchery and things like that so there would have been many comments being made against like traditional family values versus this new way of living in the 80s um and I'm not really sure if they get like the right message across by having Bert and Vicky just adopt these two children essentially in the end like it's kind of a weird angle for it to take it's like an interesting aspect to explore but i'm not sure if the ending really fits well with all that it's not really executed that well is mm. it no yeah it doesn't really tell the story any story really like the, the, the contrast between like well what they're doing next like it just they're just taking his children out of town and just running away walking away it's just it doesn't give me any closure on what's going on as well. I don't really know what's happening with these characters. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, they're just stealing kids out of the sound. It's weird. Um, There's a lot of trivia for this film, and I don't want to keep you here all night, so I'm just going to give you, like, three bits of trivia that I quite liked. Uh, one of them is quite funny. In the original trailer, Stephen King's name was misspelled. It was spelt like your name, Stephen, and I was just like, ooh. I mean, my way is the proper way. But um, yes. <laughs> that fucking, that's fucking... That's rude! <laughs> It is. Oh, oh my gosh! And maybe back then, though, he probably wasn't as uh established. I don't think, or as an icon as he is now, if that makes sense. Maybe he was. I don't know. But it was the early eighties, so like 
But the uproar... Oh. I know. Just just the the audacity of it all. Um, there's a lot of stuff that they wanted to do with this film that they couldn't, a lot of scenes that they couldn't do because the budget was so low. And one of the things which... I would have loved to have seen. Um, so the scene where Isaac returns and we have that whole fight with Malachi, um, it was totally different in the script. Isaac was supposed to look a lot, I mean, he does look rough, but he was supposed to look a lot more rough in that scene. He was supposed to have his skeleton showing, like his skin cut open and everything, like really, really gory. Um, and Malachi would have actually stabbed Isaac in the chest and dragged him into the cornfield and the, the demon would have consumed them both. So they were supposed to kind of die together in that bit. That would have been so dramatic. I'd have loved that. Yeah, I think that was so. Uh, that would be so much more dramatic. And like, yeah, that was so. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that like I think I would have liked to see Isaac more decayed, and maybe showing that's like him like losing like the battle with the this like god or whatever it is. But I also think the way Isaac was kind of taken out of the game was great. So I think like him, like him, like thinking he's one, but he's actually not. He's really a pussy lying like on the floor crying. I like that ending though. But the idea of them like fighting like, and like the demon consuming them both equally, I think if they'd done it right, would have been great. But like I said, budget wise, I don't know how they would have made that happen and make it look believable. Yeah. It wasn't believable when Isaac was getting, you know. No. Um, one of the last pieces of trivia from our icon, Linda Hamilton, who played Vicky, um, with the final scene with the protagonist returning to the car. Um, originally, like Rachel wasn't going to be in this bit, um, and it was added at the end of the film because Linda Hamilton complained to the producers that it made no sense for them to go back to the car and it made the characters look stupid if they didn't have anyone there, um, to which the producer, Donald Borchers, had said, we want the audience to think you're stupid. Vicky's no stupid. Vicky's not stupid. Do we want the audience? Oh, no. <laughs> what, like, why Why would you want your audience to, yeah, think of your protagonist that way? You, like, you're supposed to root for them, for fuck's sake. And she's been so, get out of here. She's been The whole so, time. The whole time. The whole time. Like, she's been so on the ball. Like, this is not a fucking good idea. So it would make no sense. For her, oh, we want to think you're you're stupid. It's like, well, why? Because you've just made her be like, wait, mm, alarm bells ringing. Don't like this. It makes no sense. That no. you know, these producers on these fucking movies. Absolutely not. So, with all that being said, is there anything else either of you two want to talk about this film before we get onto box office and ratings? This film took a whole one eighty for me in terms of how I how I approach it. I didn't like it when I first watched it. I liked it a bit better than The Unborn. I just didn't. I didn't like it at all. No, not at all. I did like it. I did, the gory stuff was 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 good. The aspect of children. This is the whole point of like, and this the, this maybe that it's just children killing people, and you don't even get to see mm-hmm. the children or get to know the character. They're just out here killing folk, and they're just you know what I mean. So I think that whole aspect of like a group of children just like massacring people is scary, and I think this is why the this maybe really fits the theme that you've got here, which is great that we've got it on here because it really does show like these are un hinged fucking people and they don't give it you know what I mean and there's like that's why it was so good and I've changed my opinion on the movie since we've talked about it because I've been able because that's why it's good to this stuff because you're like oh, I didn't see it that way and now I have I'm like it's just it's changed it like quite a lot and like okay I see this and I think if they had a bigger budget I think the little small things that were like mm, could have been better they probably could have executed a lot of the scenes they wanted to and maybe do it a bit more justice than the book is probably better than definitely the movie for sure 
manifesting a remake of this. We have so many remakes. It'd be great to see this done yeah, with a good budget. Get, get, cut Stephen King that check and make sure you spell his name correctly. Exactly. Uh, so we'll get on to box office and ratings. So this film had an $800,000 budget, so less than a million. It was really, really low. And you think about the time, so 1984, there was a couple of Stephen King movies out. And, you know, we'd had the books like Carrie and Cujo and Misery and all this stuff. So I don't know if like Hollywood studios were just like, we don't think this is going to sell. And then they just got like a really shitty deal. Um but it made its money back. It made 14.6 million on the box office, which is healthy regardless of that budget. I mean, they've they've made their money back and then some. So it was a success. Yeah, and there was no from what I know, like there's no there wasn't any actors apart from like Linda is it Linda Carter, I can't I don't know her name. Sorry. Linda Hamilton. Yeah. Linda Hamilton. Like anyone else, I don't really know the actors or actresses and, and then stuff. So they're not spending a lot of money on the, the people appearing in there, if that makes sense. So I think that that would be like that's a good profit for a uh, a movie eight hundred thousand. Anything I think anything over like five million is a profit. Six million for a movie like that. So to get fourteen at that time, work. Exactly. I think it's crazy though that it didn't get the budget. Like when I think about Carrie that came out in the seventies, it ended up getting tons of Oscar buzz. I think. Um, Sissy Spacek and um, oh my god I can't remember her name the woman that plays the mum were both nominated for Oscars I'm sure Brian De Palma was as well for directing like it's it's not like Stephen King doesn't make good stories so I'm really surprised that this didn't do better but it probably is some pearl clutching thing about oh, people don't want to watch kids kill adults yeah we do <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love you yeah we do Give us more of it, because we really, <laughs> <laughs> like, we do want to see, that's so true, and I think it is it pearl clutching back then, and but like, no one wants to see that, I'm like, no, we do, you, you think the society is way more conservative than it is, we want to see murder, and kids doing it is even more weird and like, better to talk about. Like, have you met people? Yeah, <laughs> you've seen adults being the murderers, let the kids do it, it's way more, it's a way, like, it's, psychologically, it's way better, I think, to think about it, and be like, well, that's so fucking crazy, and like, you can kind of get behind that, like, oh, it's an adult. Same thing, same old thing, you know what I mean? So in terms of ratings, um, pretty much the same kind of consensus across the board. So IMBD gave it a 5.6 out of 10. The Rotten Tomatoes critics gave it 36%. Audience gave it 40%. And Metacritic gave it 45 So kind of like average for most folk. But we don't give a shite what the critics say. We just care about our own opinions because our own opinions are facts. So... Speech. Exactly. So, Lindsay, I'm going to start off with Lindsay this time. Lindsay, what do you give Children of the Corn out of 10? I'm going to give Children of the Corn a 5 out of 10. It seems to be like my typical rating when something is like on the cusp of being good. With, like we've said throughout, like with some tweaks, this could have been a great film, um, like a bigger budget for starters. Um, but it's just, it's almost there, it's not quite there. So I can't really give it any more than that. But I think again with the unborn, like I've had so much fun talking about it than I did like when I originally watched it. It's fill fill me full of posy vibes about this film. So it's kind of bumped the rating up a little bit. <laughs> and Stephen, what are you going to give Children of the Corn at 10? I am first going to revoke my five out of ten for the unborn and give it a, a four. Um okay. sorry. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a four out of ten for that because speaking about the unborn made me hate it more than watching it whereas speaking about the children of the the corn like made me like it more and I probably give that a six 
which is a bit, which is kind of high. I was going to go 6.5, but I was like, six is like, I think that's a good score. And that's really for like speaking about it and actually getting other people's opinions and being like, oh, that actually makes sense to me now. And like how I like that, that's why I've enjoyed being able to talk about it. And I've got a lot more of the story now if I'm talking about it. And also, Rachel's an icon, Vicky's an icon, and we kind of stan Isaac as well. So, like, for the, you know what I mean? So, like, girl boss, I stan that. But I think six out of 10 is a, is a, a generous score, but it's, it's deserved in my opinion yeah i'm gonna we're actually agreeing on both films for the first time ever Lindsay. this is unheard of for us i'm gonna give it a five out of ten as well like as i said i've watched this before and i thought it was so shit scary Uh, that was rose tinted glasses as a kid but you know i still enjoy it and i still think it's a unique premise and it's stephen king and i you know i i like stephen king misery is one of my favorites um so i think average five out of ten happy with that um, but that is the end of the spooky sleepover. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. It's been this has been this has been the best podcast, the best I can't speak now, the best podcast I've ever done. And I've done a few of them. Oh, thank it's, you. This is so it's very, it's very, it's very unique and strange sometimes to find a podcast where there's two hosts where you can connect with and really and just get on like a house on fire. Like even before we were recording, we're just having a good kiki. That's very rare. And I've also listened to some other like the podcast episodes before I came on here because like research. I was like, oh my God, I don't want to do a podcast. I don't like them. That's weird. No, I'm <laughs> um, but imagine. But like it, you've made me feel so welcomed and it's and I enjoy movies. I enjoy horror movies and my favorite genre. I'd love to come back and do some more if you know the next time you're looking for people, I'd love to come on and that'd be really fun. But yeah, no, it's been really, 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 really good. And I can't wait for people to literally watch this and be like, they're they're gonna watch these movies purely by what we're saying. So you're welcome to the directors and people in these movies because we're getting new <laughs> viewers to watch them. But thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. These have both been awesome and these are great hosts. Thank you so much. We will thank definitely you. be having you back. Hey. Um, so, Stephen, where can people find you on the socials? If they're not following you already, rude, where thank can they bet. find you? <laughs> uh, at Stephen McKell, Stephen with a V, and McKell is M-C-K-E-L-L, Yes. Um, and that's on all my socials. So if you want to come and just watch a fat guy live his best life, dancing, bad singing, bad acting, actually good acting. If you're a casting director out there and you want to cast me, um, no, not really. Just have a good time, just to make people feel good. And yeah, just come out, come in my little corner of social media. It's great. It's fun. No judgment. Yay. And Lindsay, where can people find you on the socials? I am at hi. It's Lindsay underscore on all social media. And I'm Lulu underscore Pew on all the socials. If you want to follow the podcast, you can find us at GoFriendPod on Twitter, GoFriend underscore podcast on Instagram. And next week, so buzzing for our theme, we are talking all about vampires, which is like one of my personal favorite things. All vampires are gay. You can't convince me otherwise. Um, And we're going to be joined by um, Attack of the Final Girls podcast. Um, And... We're going to leave it as a bit of a cliffhanger of what the films are. I'm going to leave you with it. You'll just have to have to wait and see. But yes. Spoiler alert, I'm choosing the films. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with that, everyone, hope you have a good week. Um, stay spooky.